You are about to opt in to Mineratopia, a show for the Monero community where all are welcome to join. From noob to maxi, no matter what bags you hold. Just sit back and relax to the sweet sounds of Monero's latest progress. Or if you're feeling inspired, join us on stage. Remember, the only thing that can stop Monero is a false belief that it can be stopped. And if you want to win the revolution faster, we recommend you remove your XMR from all custodial exchanges immediately. Warning, boating accidents are common around here. Don't forget to properly secure your private keys. Monerotopia starts now. Aloha. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Saturday. Cheerios, cheerios. Cheers. How you feeling? You were a little grumpy yesterday. You were a little anti-Monerotopia yesterday. I was tired. I'm exhausted from everything. Holiday season, conference, show stuff. You know, kind of hits you sometimes. People aren't nonstop. Like oh, I, li- I like you got the, the tree in there a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I tried. Tried to move it around, but it didn't yeah, really work if out. You, got, you guys can't see, but that's actually a full Christmas tree. It's very nice. Yeah, I couldn't really angle it because then it would just look funny. So I like that. That I got cool, a little... though. Very Got nice. the little colors. I tried. I tried a little. Sunita needs a break. She needs a vacay. I need a vacay. Well, it's, the ho- it's a lot. Holidays, buying gifts. Maybe we gifts. could have, maybe have, like we could a have huge guest family. co-hosts. Okay. That would be cool. You're actually. in town. You're in the New York area. Please, <laughs> guys. Up. Help us out. Sunita <laughs> needs a break. <laughs> well, Christmas also. It's like overwhelming. I have a huge family. And, you know, buying gifts for everyone, the little ones, and, you know. Holiday seasons are always stressful. Right after Thanksgiving, it's like nonstop. But luckily, I only have to buy your gift and Franya's. And Franya's, and yeah, I've been getting it. I have a very huge family. Yeah, so I think I've exploded, guys. (laughs) Still didn't get your gift yet, though. I'm sure you'll figure it out the day of. You always. Anybody have anything interesting to sell for Monero for Sunita? Let me know. Let him know. Let him know, guys. I like but a I, fur coat. Those are controversial. That'd be a good thing to uh, buy. Monero. Well, you got me a nice coat last year. But it wasn't fur. It was that white one. Yeah, white, like poofy one. It was a, a, <laughs> it was a float as opposed to a coat. Yeah. It's tough to wear like an all white like coat because then I feel like I'm going to dirty it. So what do you, what do you want for Christmas? I don't know. It's tough. You're good at getting gifts. You're actually pretty creative. Right. I'll give you that. The world is your oyster, Douglas. You want an experience? You want a, a The world thing. is your oyster. Anywho, <laughs> let's move along. <laughs> All right. Watching um, the, yeah, the game along. in the background, too. Croatia 2-1, if people care. It's the last weekend. I'm also sad that's ending. Well, it's like a meaningless game, right? I, like, yeah, well, not meaningless, but Cro- yeah, it's third. third place. So we'll see tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be a big game. Argentina and France. Yeah, that's going to be let's fun. see who wins. Yeah, we're going to have a little uh, World Cup. A little, party. yeah, a little, uh, a 10 a.m. brunch game party. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be up at eight in the morning tomorrow. This is why you're losing <laughs> your mind. We're, we're trying to fit a lot trying of to things incorporate in there. family, trying to incorporate show, trying to incorporate conference. I mean, it's moving it along. Thank God. Knock on wood. It's, it's chugging along. But, uh, yeah, if you want to talk about the conference, uh, let's quickly talk about yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, guys, so you know the deal. Buy your tickets and just help spread the word. Get the word out. Yeah. Get the word out to your communities. It's coming together on on all other ends, you know. Uh, we got people reaching out, sponsors, 
Really good speakers. Once again, if you want to speak or you want, you recommend a speaker, reach out. I mean, we've got a lot of people. We're trying yep. to sort through, you know, I don't know how many we'll figure it out. Like I said, maybe we'll do even two and a half days or like two days and like a little bit on well, I'm Friday sure we'll be, night. Yeah. I'm sure Friday night we'll fit in a lot. I mean, yeah. the amount we fit into yeah. that one day. So now with the two full days, I don't know, I hope people aren't disappointed. Yeah. Cause that was nonstop. And maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe even we'll have like a second. Like stage area, not stage, but like a second area, yeah, we were like an auxiliary about that. area, because we've had people reach out for like things and they're they interesting talk about. talks, yeah, yeah, which are interesting. But I don't know, if, like we have other heavy hitters that we want to get up there. So I'm sure we'll figure it out. I mean, it's slowly I think that, coming. I can along. see that happening. We'll have yeah, an that's auxiliary a good thing where we could have some other additional talks going on, especially because yeah. the, the layout of this venue, I think it would would allow for that. Um, so yeah, go get your tickets, spread the word. We keep raising prices subtly, uh, slowly, just as a way to incentivize you guys to buy sooner than later. Yeah, yeah, and hotels, we don't really have any word yet because we tried. Yeah, we tried, but apparently you're not allowed to call until after New Year's. I don't know why. Talk to them. Very strange. (laughs) They don't want to like look ahead more than two weeks. Yeah, it's very strange. So even if we like, yeah, put out suggestions, like you're going to call and you're going to be disappointed because they're going to be like, well, are you coming next week? No, you're coming in May. But, but there, there's plenty of cheap hotel spots around there. It's a safe area. Rome is super safe, super cool. Uh, we already reserved our Airbnb. It's the same one we had when we went down there to scope out the place. Yeah, it was convenient. It was right around the block. Any of you guys grabbing our <laughs> it's a It's a nice Airbnb, but there's a lot of other ones, and they're all really nice in the Roma area. Uh, what else do I want to bring up? Oh, gratuitous. Yes, gratuitous. We have new coffee from Columbia. So if you've never ordered gratuitous, now's a good time to check out, especially for the holidays. Yes. Maybe you're not a coffee drinker, but you can get your friends or family a coffee subscription. Um, yeah. Do so today. Do it. it helps. It helps us grow it. We're, I wish I had more time to focus on the gratuitous thing, but we're, we're slowly amping that up. We got a lot, a lot of, a lot of. Things going on with that. Just, We're moving at snail speed. We could only speed, do like a little but, bit here, a little bit there. Yeah. But that's all going to happen at once. Slowly, then suddenly. Yep. Um, yeah, that's it. Let's get to, let's get to the, <laughs> that's it. That's the it. fun that's stuff. It. Let's uh, get into the, the price report. Let's do that now. Nothing else you want to chat about? I guess not. All right. The Monerotopia price report segment is sponsored by Local Monero. Avoid using KYC exchanges. Buy and sell Monero directly for fiat peer-to-peer. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? What's going on, man? I'm great. Hope you all had a wonderful Friday evening. Yeah, we did. We did. Thanks for um, contributing so much to the last spaces. That was awesome, man. You were great. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, good stuff. I, uh, I liked the guest. That was some good back and forth, and you were dropping some good Monero information. There were some – a lot A lot of people uh, – I guess that were that are his followers are are B cashers, right? Did you get that that sense? Yeah, yeah, it seemed that way. <laughs> I like how we have kind of an even mix of both um, people that came from maximalism and uh, other people on the B cash side. It's like, what's the one thing they can all agree on? Apparently, it's Monero. Exactly, exactly. So I've got a lot of stuff for you guys today. I'm going to try and um, fly through some of the stuff that we've covered previously. And then at the end, we're going to talk about Binance. Um, that's a lot of stuff going on with that. Um, a bunch of things coalescing at once. So, uh, and I, I don't think any of us necessarily, uh, Binance isn't necessarily our favorite number one exchange to go to. Um, and they could be on the ropes. It looks a lot like they're on the ropes. 
Uh, but let's go ahead and start with, uh, you know, where we're familiar, which is Monero. So we're basically hanging out still in the same channel. Um, we recently tested uh, the bottom side of this trend right here, which is um, not too surprising. Um, you, you'll notice that I kind of redrew this top line a little bit. It's it's hard to draw a clean line. And maybe one of these days I'll kind of go over my preferences on how you draw lines, because I think it's really easy to get that wrong. It's really easy to kind of like try and make a bunch of rules. And there's, um, believe it or not, there's actually a lot of nuance to it. And you have to understand how to use trend lines properly, because um, otherwise it can be somewhat deceptive. Uh, or it can be kind of misleading uh, from time to time. So I, uh, in line with that, I actually um, deleted a lot of my lines on Monero, on the Monero chart and redrew a few of them. So um, let's take off some of these shorter term. There we go. So um, essentially what we're looking at here is kind of a wedge structure. Now, the bottom line down here is not necessarily, you know, as strong as you would want it to be. Maybe you would want to see another um, another point. But it doesn't really connect well with anything. Maybe you could connect it to there, but, you know, that's that's a little bit dubious. But the point is that this looks a lot to me like a bullish wedge. Um, these sideways wedges can sometimes be bullish or bearish. Um, but this looks like we're getting close to a breakout. And this actually is not too, dif uh, too different than the wedge that we had on Monero XMR BTC. So um, this big, uh, you know, this big wedge that we had going on for, for really years. Um, but... Uh, the wedge that we're looking at on XMR USD looks similar to that, and I really do think we're going to break to the upside um, at some point. That could take until next year. You'll notice that these lines don't converge until somewhere around like the end of Q2 next year. So it's possible that we could come down here, test the bottom of that range. Um, as I've been saying, I've been expecting that before we get a big breakout next year, we have one more pullback to happen. And I think that pullback has already started. So, um, uh, oh, the other thing that I thought was kind of cool is that um, and this is kind of in line with with things you can do when you're drawing trend lines. So we just connected the very absolute tippy top points there. And you can just drag this line down here and you'll notice that uh, it, it connects a lot of very interesting points. So we've got all those guys right there. Um, we had these recent points. And so even though you have to kind of slice through the tops of these peaks here, when you're dealing with stuff like crypto that's so volatile, it's it's kind of OK to do that. Um, and probably y'all have noticed on the Bitcoin and total charts that I draw, I do kind of the same thing. So, um, you know, again, overall big picture here, Monero price looks great. Um, it looks like this is fundamental organic support. It's hard to believe that we can get much below this area right here. I, I, maybe they can drive price down below here. Like let's suppose Binance collapses or something, right? Um, maybe we can take a big spike down. Um, but ultimately I believe it or not, I think that Binance collapsing would be good for Monero's price in the long run, although there would probably be short-term price pain. All of the other coins are going to have like serious problems if finance collapses. Um, they're they're going to have a huge crash, um, and it's going to be a lot harder for them to recover. Uh, but Monero, I think, is, is going to have easier times. So here's the divergences. Um, these are all the prices compared to Kraken, and you'll notice uh, Binance in red. Uh, we This week, they had a really big divergence to the downside, simultaneous with Qcoin going to the upside. So I'm going to add some horizontal um, lines here because I want to show you that we haven't had this much divergence since August when uh, when Binance suspended withdrawals. Uh, here we go. Yeah, so this is August. Um, and you can see they did it for much longer than they did um, recently. So recently it was just kind of like one spike down. But this is when Binance shut down withdrawals for 10 days in August um, while the rest of crypto pumped and then Monero price mysteriously stayed 
flat and capped as Binance diverged their prices below Kraken. Um, so you can see that we haven't had this much divergence since August um, on Binance. And I don't know why it is, but for whatever reason, it seems like that's correlated with Qcoin having a positive divergence from Kraken. So who knows what's going on there? Um, and by the way, this is also the volume adjusted um, divergence. So if you don't make the volume adjustment, the, the price doesn't look so much different. Um, Binance only diverged down by about a quarter of a percent. But the thing is, they did a lot of volume down there, right? So that's kind of the big thing that you want to look at. How much real volume are they doing at prices lower than Kraken? Um, we've got the uh, longs and shorts basically uh, flat, not, not anything changed there. And um, as we talked about, this chart is the Monero dominance and, you know, posing a little bit of challenges right here. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if this thing can just break to the upside. Um, I don't necessarily have any. Um, huge opinions on whether we need, I mean, it, you know, naturally you would say that this chart should pull back because this has been such a long-term resistance, but, uh, you know, sometimes crypto can surprise you. Perhaps this could just break out to the upside. Um, and then Monero Bitcoin is, uh, you know, just chugging along. Looks good. We're still in this kind of rising wedge structure. And you'll notice that this week, uh, we had a pullback just, uh, like we were talking about last week. This 009 level is going to be a little bit difficult to get through. Um, but ultimately, you can see what happened here. That was just a wick. All we did is wick down for just a moment, and then we came right back up uh, to the top side of this wedge. So um, really, this wedge could very easily break to the upside, you know, something like that, and then, and then go up. Um, at least, you know, the, the hopeful in me would, would think that that could happen. Um, so that's Monero. Um, let's go ahead and take uh, a big uh, zoom out picture. Oh, you know, one thing I wanted to mention um so if you're on Twitter spaces, uh, tune in to YouTube and you can see all the charts that I'm talking about. And when you do that, make sure that you change your resolution from 360p to 720p. Otherwise, your charts are going to be fuzzy and it's going to be kind of hard to make out the resolution. Um, so I want to cover something again that we covered last week. And I, I think I could have done a little bit better job explaining it. So this is the M2 money supply. This is all cash, coin, checking, savings and all time deposits of less than one year. And you'll notice that this chart has, uh, you know, very, very quickly, you can eyeball that it looks like an exponential chart. Um, and on the right side, you can see we're on a natural scale, which means that each of these increments is the same. So plus one trillion, plus one trillion, plus one trillion. Um, now, the reason for this is because of compounding interest. So the United States Central Bank, right, the Federal Reserve and all central banks, they target inflation as a percentage. Um and so when you're dealing with percentages, you're dealing with inherently an exponential process. And so this is the equation for compound interest. Um, and this is discreetly compounded. So, like, for example, let's suppose you had 12 percent interest per year and you compounded that once per month. So that would be one percent per month. Um, this is the equation that you would use. And you'll notice that there's an exponent here. Um, and then if you were to compound continuously, so like every second of every day, you know, you divide that that 12 percent um, across, you know, a million seconds or however many there are in a year, you would end up with an equation that looks like this. This is the, the simplified version of continuously compounded interest. And this is much closer to what um, overall in aggregate the economy does. And you'll notice that um, we have this is an exponential function. And so inflation by targeting it as a percentage is uh, inherently an exponential function. So that's why you have an exponential process right here. And now we use the log. We come over here and we click logarithmic because it translates that exponential function into something that's uh, that's actually linear. Um, and so, like, for example, notice that we have E, uh, which is 2.72. Um, you would use a natural logarithm to deal with, um, with this exponent here. So logarithms are how we deal with exponent, uh, exponents. 
And you can notice that this basically turns what was uh, previously um, an exponential chart into um, a linear chart. So um, the short version is that uh, we're translating out of, um, you know, this kind of exponential curve into something that's linear. Um, and that's a lot easier to analyze. So just kind of recovering again why we use log charts. There's, uh, you know, of course, you get better resolution on the lower time frames or sorry, on longer time frames. But uh, it's just mathematically appropriate to do. Um, and you want to use uh, log charts, particularly on assets priced in U.S. dollars. Um, other assets, like, for example, um, we're going to look at the inflation now. Um, you know, we wouldn't put this on a log chart because this is not priced in U.S. dollars. This is just a percentage of what the inflation was year over year. Um, so don't let this part, uh, don't let this chart fool you. These, um, the inflation numbers come out once a month. So TradingView just connects these dots, uh, to, uh, you know, to make it look like a smooth chart. So last week we just got the inflation numbers. Um, and this was the last, the last numbers that we had before it was right here. Now you can see that they came down just a little bit. Uh, which is good. This is what we want to see. Um, federal, the Federal Reserve Chair Powell was talking about, okay, this is good. You know, we want to see this trend continue. Um, this, this isn't like any huge, you know, drop in inflation. So you'll notice that core inflation, which they look, you know, primarily that's the most important, uh, the most important thing that they look at. Um, so it's, it's basically all goods or it's all inflation minus energy and food. So, the thing is, we need to see this continue. This trend needs to continue for the next, say, month, like at least two months, one or two months. And that should set us up pretty well for the markets to actually to pump next year if this continues. Um, so they were, you know, cautiously optimistic about it. Um, but essentially, these were kind of neutral numbers, right? Like it came down, not by a lot. We're still kind of high. Overall, this was kind of a neutral picture on the inflation. Um, so this drove the Federal Reserve to raise by uh, half a point or 50 basis points, which is um, half a uh, percent. Um, and that's the white line right here. So the other lines here, these are all the uh, the yields. So the different maturity length yields, yellow being the one year, uh, green is two years, so on and so forth. And you can see that we still have a full yield curve inversion here. So the Federal Reserve raised 50 basis points, which was pretty much what the markets were expecting. It's what the Fed said they were going to do. Um, so that also was fairly neutral. Now, there's something that I think people need to be aware of when it comes to these big economic releases. Um, I've seen in the past few months that there is increased volatility in cryptocurrencies, uh, perhaps more than there used to be um, previously this year. My theory on that is that crypto people are finally realizing how important these big macro numbers are and how correlated cryptocurrency is to traditional markets. And so it seems to me that it's likely that market makers and hedge funds, um, maybe exchanges are inducing artificial volatility um, in cryptocurrencies leading up to these big economic releases. For example, we saw positive action on Bitcoin and crypto in, you know, like the week leading up to the Federal Reserve meeting. Um, there was big volatility that day before the meeting, uh, before the press release, there was a big pump in Bitcoin. And to me, it, it all looked pretty artificial. It didn't look real. It just, you know, uh, like, for example, Monero didn't go up with it. And that's kind of a bellwether that, I, that I've started using. Because the exchanges are out of Monero. They're out, they're out of fake paper Monero to sell, and people are withdrawing. So when there is organic buying, people are going to be buying Monero along with other cryptocurrencies. We've we've basically made it into the general broad consciousness of the cryptocurrency ecosystem. So people know about Monero. They're buying Monero. They realize it's important. We're not some obscure coin anymore. 
So if there's real organic buying, Monero's price should go along with the rest of cryptocurrency when it pumps. But that's not what we saw going into these numbers. Monero didn't um, didn't do hardly anything at all. Meanwhile, uh, you know, Bitcoin and some of these others pumped from 7, 10, 15 percent. So that didn't look real to me. And then sure enough, after they after the press release, um, things started crashing or really in the middle of it. So it's just something that if you're a trader out there, you, you just need to be aware that the market makers are probably very aware that crypto people are now trading these big economic releases. So don't let them catch you out with induced volatility is, uh, is kind of the lesson there. Um, there were some other numbers that came out, like the unemployment. Um, you could see that uh, we're historically low. This chart goes all the way back to 1950. And you can see that um, this came out on Friday and we're still like three and a half percent, just just above three and a half percent. So um, if you listen to <laughs> Jay Powell talk, uh, which is kind of dry and difficult to do, but um, he talks about uh, unemployment being low and the demand for labor being so high is like basically the primary in their mind the primary driver of, um, of inflation right now. So with the unemployment numbers being very low, that means that there's very high demand for labor and it means they have to pay their workers a lot higher. So that's a contributing factor to inflation. So overall, everything that we saw um, this week on these big economic releases, it was all neutral for the most part. Everything was kind of middle of the road, nothing, nothing inspiring. Um, here's a new chart that uh, I wanted to show you guys. This is the uh, single family homes, the uh, median uh, sales price. And you'll notice that it's very cyclical. Um, so starting in January, you typically get these, uh, these big pumps. Um, and you'll notice that, uh, you know, you kind of get this like sawtooth pullback action. So we're coming in here into January pretty soon. And, um, you might expect that this would come up a little bit. So if you're like thinking about selling your house, you know, you, now wouldn't be a bad time. Um, you know, if you were already going to sell it. Um, so that's kind of big macro view right there. Um, let's go ahead and, uh, well, let's cover a few more macro things, actually. So price of oil, um, we're in this kind of big megaphone pattern, and oil's just kind of hanging out down here, which is really what we want. If oil can stay low, that's good. It was when we saw oil getting up here and the inflation started kicking off that was that was really bad for the stock market because, again, it means that the Federal Reserve has to con, uh, contract and keep rates higher for longer. And, um, you know, that's, that's not good for anyone that's holding a risk asset. So... Um, Oh, and then the reverse repos, also very important. We've seen them make a little bit of a recovery here. They've bounced to the upside. I don't think this will last for too much longer, but maybe we could go up a little bit higher. Um, again, I, I have been expecting a pullback, and I think that one more pullback needs to happen before uh, we have the opportunity to make a big bounce to the upside. Um, so let's get back to crypto then. Uh, don't want to get too boring on all the uh, dry macro analysis stuff. Um, this is what we're looking like. So I drew a couple new lines here. Uh, very big picture. This is total crypto market cap. And you can see that um, this line goes all the way back to 2015. Nice, long trend line. And, uh, you know, we basically broke down from this line a few weeks ago. And I kind of wish I had seen this. I, I didn't catch this until recently. I was too zoomed in. Um, so ultimately, we've broken through that line. And honestly, I don't think it's going to be difficult to ever break this line again. Um, now that doesn't mean that we couldn't get close to it. That doesn't mean that, you know, in the future we couldn't push up here to three or four trillion dollars again, maybe 2025, 2026, something like that. Um, but for the moment, this line is solidly broken and is now definitely going to be resistance if we can even get up that far in the first place. So, um, you'll notice that on a little bit shorter time frame, um, you know, we've got this, our sort of descending channel right here, uh, and we're testing the bottom side of that line again. 
So, um, you know, will that line hold? Will it not? I don't know. It seems to be like a trend line that's overall um, just kind of the market has continually followed it down. So, it, I mean, I, I kind of do expect that we should spend some more time going down before we go back up. Um, the thing that will be bullish that will really like be a great sign is to break this line at some point. Um, if we can get above that line, because that's, you know, that's kind of been like the very top level limiter for total crypto market cap. Um, so Bitcoin looks almost the exact same way. Uh, in fact, it's got, you know, we basically we didn't quite get there, at least the way that I had this line drawn. Uh, we didn't quite get there, but it's really not surprising um, that that would have been a pullback here again. This is also on Wednesday when the Federal Reserve released their numbers, right? We we just had like this uh, a big pump, another big pump, a wick up, and then it dropped down. Like that's not good price action. Um, so, for example, in July when the Fed meeting came out, um, they announced, uh, you know, a, or oh, I'm sorry, it wasn't uh, it wasn't the Fed meeting. It was high inflation numbers, right? We had a, a big release on the inflation numbers. They were really high. Um, the market tanked on that news, but then by the end of the day, it had put on gains, right? It went from being a big red dildo to a big green dildo. Well, this is the opposite right here. We had a few big green dildos here, and then it just totally reversed and went to the downside now. Um, so that's not bullish. That's that's actually pretty bearish. So, um, you know, just be aware. Now, at the same time, it's, you know, if you haven't already gotten out of this market, it's really hard for me to recommend that anyone sell <laughs> at this point. You know, the time to sell was in August. The, the time to sell was in April. Uh, but right now it's kind of like, uh, it's, you know, I, like I said, I've been expecting this pullback. I felt a little bit like I was playing with fire, you know, saying, well, you know, do I want to wait for another one? Maybe it's time to just get in now. Um, right now I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable with my decision to wait. So, um, want to cover the, um, uh, the regression analysis, just a quick look. Um, so again, big picture, this is Bitcoin. The red line is like the absolute lowest low that we could expect Bitcoin might have, statistically speaking, right? This is not, uh, it's, it's, it's not like a fundamental analysis. It's just pure uh, statistics. So you can see that we're actually getting really close, um, to my targets here. And that's another reason why I haven't, I haven't bought because a lot of crypto assets look exactly like this, where it's like my targets are like another 15% down, uh, well, between let's say 10 and 20%, 10 and 30% down. And uh, it's like we've covered uh, Bitcoin number there. So if we were what's to, that? If we were to hit the the bottom red line within the next month, like what's like the uh, the number Bitcoin price? Uh, that would be fourteen, just above fourteen thousand. Like if we crashed today, that would be fourteen thousand three hundred seventy is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and historically, this line's been off by five percent. So if you go back and you you check these other um, spots down there, it's been like up to five or seven percent. Um, you know, error range in the past. But yeah, that would be like 14.3. And I would definitely buy. Like, if we hit that, I'm just going to be like, all right, for, you know, if I can. Hey. So, okay, there's another factor that uh, a buddy of mine brought to me and I'd forgotten all about it. Um, it's the, uh, it's the tax harvesting. Uh, it's kind of like that time of the year where people, uh, when they have losses on an asset, they say, well, screw it. I'm going to sell the asset. I'm going to realize the loss. I'm going to use that as a write off on my taxes. And a lot of assets have had a lot of losses this year. So, um, it's, it's actually like not surprising at all that the market would drop here and it could continue dropping through the end of the year as people harvest their tax losses. Um, so it's kind of another good reason to be pretty careful. Um, the ideal situation to me would be for things to continue going down, maybe hit a low on the very last week in December, uh, maybe touch this, this regression line down here. 
Um, because after those tax losses are harvested, people are going to want to get back into those assets that, because, you know, people, most people don't like being out of the market. I, I don't like it. Um, I've, you know, kind of been uncomfortable here, but there's really no better place to be. Um, so, but people, you know, they, they want to get back into the assets that they believe in. So they might sell, realize that tax loss, write it off, and then they'll get right back into that asset, um, on January 2nd, I think is, is a Monday. Uh, so yeah, that's the look on the, on Bitcoin. That's kind of a, a good thing to keep in mind about, about that tax harvesting. Now, another thing that I wanted to re- to cover again, we, we covered this last week, but I feel like it, it wasn't visually presented, um, as well as it could have been. So this is Bitcoin dominance. Uh, and then you can see the orange line just overlays on top of Bitcoin dominance. So what we can do is we can subtract stable coins from that calculation. And you'll notice that moves the orange line up. So the orange line is the adjusted Bitcoin dominance when you subtract stable coins. Now, if we're being fair, we want to subtract other stuff like um, all of the lost Bitcoin, right, which is something like 20, 25 percent. So we're only doing 15 percent right here. And you'll notice, you know, that kind of brings it back down a little bit. So. Um, maximalists are right when they say, hey, you know, it's without the stable coins, you know, Bitcoin dominance is doing better. Technically it is, but it's, it's not huge. It's not like as amazing as, as you would maybe hope uh, for it to be. So the other thing that we can look at is the Ethereum dominance, um, and then the stable coin dominance, which is in green. So, um, now we can do things like adjust for the total value, uh, locked in Ethereum. And I don't know why, but there's like some weird thing with TVL <laughs> today where this line just shot up. So just like, just ignore that line. Uh, but anyways, yeah, so this is the picture that it looks like when you make some adjustments that, you know, probably should be made. At the same time, everybody looks at this chart. <laughs> they don't look at the adjusted Bitcoin dominance. They just look at the straight up Bitcoin dominance. So um, it seems like it's kind of range bound. It, it looks like this chart is just going to be range bound down here for a while. Uh, had a little bit of a bump today. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we could make it to the top side here or maybe not. Um, I'm, I'm not so sure about that because, uh, the ETH, the Ethereum Bitcoin chart looks pretty bullish overall. Um, so, oops. Hang on a second. Okay. Yeah. So this chart looks to me pretty bullish. Um, kind of hanging out here in this range. It's consolidating. There was this big move, um, last year in the summer that brought ETH. BTC significantly higher. And right now, I mean, this just looks like a chart that's going to keep doing this. And at some point, it's going to break out. Probably it's going to take until at least Q3, maybe Q4 of next year before this breakout happens. Um, or perhaps maybe the Gox coin has something to say about that um, next year when they, whenever they get released. So, um, I mean, Ethereum is bullish, like at least against Bitcoin. It's, there's a lot of reasons to think that Ethereum is going to be bullish versus Bitcoin. Um, like Monero, I think that it's possible that uh, Ethereum could basically double bottom here. So this was the bottom in July. It could double bottom down here maybe. Um, that white line that you see here, this is the uh, the lifetime moving average of Ethereum. So, um, yeah, anyways, um, there's, there's reasons to think that Bitcoin dominance is not going to be making any huge breaks beyond 50% anytime soon. Uh, so let me check my notes here. Uh, yeah, last thing, let's go ahead and take a look at some of the traditional markets. Um, S&P 500. Ethereum is, is looking bullish against Bitcoin. Um, Monero is looking bullish against Bitcoin. Is, is Monero is. looking bullish against Ethereum? Uh, here's the XMR ETH chart. Um, we do have a nice uptrend going. Um, it currently is bullish. You could say that we're currently in a bull market versus Ethereum. 
And this trend line is just relentless. It just keeps going. Um, so in terms of statistical targets, you would, you would say maybe this area right here, um, these, uh, the moving average, like the lifetime moving average could be a spot. Um, if we do a measurement, that would put, that would be about a, a 2x higher, um, relative to Ethereum. You can see that, let's switch to the weekly so we can get a better view. Uh, this area right here is just before, just before the bull market took off and everything pumped and, and the relative value of Monero, um, took a big hit. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it's, there's every reason to think that this trend is going to continue. I don't, I don't see any big, um, big problems. This, this looks like a bullish, uh, like if we went down here into lower time frames, we could probably find some more lines to draw and, you know, find some more, some more reasons to feel, uh, bullish about this. This is kind of a, um, this is kind of a wedge structure right here. So, uh, again, so when you're in a bull market and you have a wedge structure, these things can very often be bullish. Normally, a rising wedge is going to be a bearish structure, but in a bull market, a rising wedge can be a bullish structure. So um, if you see us kind of popping up here and we hold this line, that that's a really good sign that we would probably end up making it all the way up to here. So that's uh, one way you can think about Ethereum, uh, Ethereum versus Monero or Monero versus Ethereum. Uh, OK, so we've got the S&P 500. The yellow line again, the dotted yellow line is the pre-COVID highs, which has been my targets for a long time. Um, the other thing is that uh, you can see that there is uh, momentum divergence. So we're making higher lows down here. Uh, let me expand that. We're making higher lows uh, on the momentum chart, which is a Z-score chart, even though we've been making lower lows the whole time. So um, it's really not surprising the pullback that happened recently. Uh, again, you've got your overall just bear market trend line. We touched it, touched it again, and fell down. So, um, you know, and again, this is this is kind of another one of those rising wedge structures. It's not as clean as you would want it to be, uh, but it is sort of essentially basically a rising wedge, and we fell out of that. So there is the opportunity now that this thing could actually finally touch the pre-COVID highs. That's That's my target. That's what I wanted. And just like I was saying, like, Everything has been hovering above my targets. My, my long-term targets have, have been down here for a long time. And we only missed that by like 3% on the S&P. Uh, and the NASDAQ looks very similar. Um, we, we basically, how high above that were we? 7%. Uh, so we came within 7% of that target. Um, and I would really, really like to get there, get close at least. Um, so there's a good chance that this happens. And, um, but ultimately, again, I do think that next year everything is setting up for a big rally. The Fed is almost done raising rates. They've got like another maybe 75 basis points to go. Um, they're they're going to just hold the rates they're steady and see what happens. Now, the thing that will weigh on the markets long term is that if the inflation numbers don't come down, the Fed is not going to be able to just lower rates. So we might get a big um, like a big rally next year. And then the market start uh, might start realizing like, oh, crap, you know, the Fed's they're sticking to their guns. They're not lowering uh, the interest rates. You know, maybe this thing could could go chop sideways for, I don't know, a year, two years. Um, who knows? But at the very least, I think that we are going to have a good opportunity to get in on a big move to the upside. Um, and if you play your cards right, you could probably take some profit at the top of that, um, you know, get a little bit back in the dollar, maybe some gold. Um, so, OK, the last thing that I wanted to talk about was uh, Binance. So <laughs> there's 
so much stuff happening with these guys. Uh, it seems like this last week there was, there was a lot of new stuff that has been coming to life. Um, one thing is that, um, and so in no particular order, um, Binance, uh, sorry, CZ got on CNBC and had this interview and man, he, he was like stammering. He was equivocating. He looked nervous. Um, he was saying like some really ridiculous things. The one that stood out in my mind, he says, um, in, in Binance, we are backed one to one. All our assets are backed one to one. And it's just like, you little liar. No, they're not. We know that you don't back Monero one to one. We have like all of the proof that we need. So, okay. Like lie number one. Um, he said something else that was just dumb. He's like, the big four auditing firms don't know how to audit crypto, even though the fact that uh, Coinbase, for example, um, has, I think it's Deloitte, uh, Deloitte is their auditing firm, one of the big four. Um, the other thing is that um, so this company called Mazars, um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but uh, they did the proof of reserves verification for Binance recently. Um, but then Mazars fired all of their customers. So Qcoin, Crypto.com and Binance. And they said that they're not going to be serving crypto exchanges anymore. And they removed their Binance report, um, which was not an audit. It was just a report on the proof of reserves. But they removed that report from their website. Um, so <laughs> Mazars ditched all of their crypto people. Uh, so that's that's not good. Um, I saw a chart that showed Binance's assets. More than 50% of their assets are either BNB coin or Binance USD. So <laughs> that's kind of the same situation that FTX had where, like, their own native token FTT represented the vast majority of their, yeah. of their alleged assets. Um, we have, um, so what, what do you I think have. the likelihood is that they, you know, worst case, like, Man, I don't know. at first I was like, if you'd asked me that a week ago or two weeks ago, I'm like, hey, probably not. I guess I, I don't want that to happen, but I kind of do want it to happen. Um, I would say it's, they're on the ropes for sure. And maybe even CZ doesn't know. Like he's out there doing all the same stuff. He's acting the same way that freaking Sam Bankman was acting uh, before they went under. So, oh, you know, there's another big one here. Um, there is the potential that a clawback could happen on behalf of um, of FTX. Mm-hmm. So in this Chapter 11 bankruptcy proceeding, they can do clawbacks. Uh, like, for example, uh, in the whole Bernie Madoff thing, people that – through no fault of their own, were not involved in the scam. They had just taken profits uh, and they had gotten their money off of, um, you know, out of the Madoff scam. Those same people had their profits clawed back um, in the bankruptcy proceeding because it's like, yeah, you you benefited. OK, you didn't commit a crime. You didn't know what was going on, but you don't deserve those profits. They should be distributed to everyone. Um, so who knows? You know, I'm not a lawyer, but um, it does seem like there could be some uh, pretext or a reason here for the bankruptcy proceedings on FTX to try and claw back that 2.1 billion um, that Binance when they sold off their FTT. Um, maybe that doesn't happen, but it's it's definitely not a zero risk. Like it could happen and who knows, that could be a big thing. The, the last thing that I'll say about them is that um, the United States Injustice Department was considering charging Binance. They're like, the, the headline is that they're divided on whether or not they want to charge Binance. Uh, with crimes. Now, unfortunately, it's all like, it's the usual crap, like unlicensed money transmission, laundering conspiracy, violation of sanctions. But to me, it's like, what about the lying to their customers, the market manipulation, the coordinated fraud and the selective scamming of their customers, liquidating positions for people that were nowhere near their liquidation point? Like, to me, that's the fraudulent stuff. They're like, they're harming people with all that. And, And I mean, I know that, you know, the licenses are supposed to you know, like it rolls into all that. But 
like, I just, I hate that the government will focus on like their scribbles and like, well, you didn't get our permission and that's what we're going to prosecute you for. It's like, no, they harmed people by like stealing money from them. That's the fraudulent thing. So, um, yeah, the, the U.S. Injustice Department is considering charging them right now. Uh, and that's like an open headline at this point. So they've got a lot of stuff. Um, I don't think anyone here in Monero has their assets on Binance anymore. So I don't really need to tell anyone to pull your assets off there, you know, and preach into the choir. Uh, but it could have negative consequences for price, um, at least in the short term. And hey, you know, that's fine. Let, let's get another little crash. I'd be happy with that. I'll let it back burn. Up let it my burn. Monero. Burn it down. Yeah. Down. We don't need them, you know. We, we would do better without them. Ultimately, I mean, it's hard to. Yeah, you know, obviously, you feel bad for people that are, you know, that are involved in this, right? But yeah, we just we got to We got to wash these things out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I've been saying since April fourteenth, twenty twenty one. Is that this fraud has to get washed out for yep. crypto to be taken seriously, legitimately, and for price to sustainably, organically rise. Uh-huh. With, Hopefully that wasn't too much fire hose for everyone. <laughs> great info. <laughs> As it, usual. It is epic, man. These price reports are epic. I never uh, for anybody them. that's listening on Twitter spaces, you know, obviously they're, they're better when you can see the, the charts. But we also post so we, it. So we post it on separately. YouTube. You yeah, can watch it live on YouTube as well, but then we post it separately on YouTube. So if you want to go back and watch the charts, people that are in the spaces, uh, go ahead and, um, share this. Let's get it out there a little bit. Get some more people in the room. Um, we ready to move on? I think so. I think so. Anything else you want? Right. To well, a lot or... of news. Bonnie, yeah. thanks so much, man. Uh, thank you, you guys. Faces, if you can. Uh, greatly appreciate. Yeah. It. I'll, right. I'm gonna try and make it. I, I might have to dip out, but uh, yeah, I'll try and be in the spaces later. Awesome. All right, awesome. Thank you once again for doing the price report. Really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. All right, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Adios. Adios. <laughs> later. Later, man. Alrighty, let's go on to the news. The news with our lovely, lovely. Authority. You know, I was I was thinking potential Christmas presents. Oh my God! You're... <laughs> <laughs> let's focus on the show. <laughs> no show next weekend. Guys. Oh, oh, come on! No dude. show. That's you know what? Christmas that's, present that's number hilarious. one. Hilarious. We're taking off next weekend. I may have sitting here. I'm thinking about things. Are you now? So that's a gift from me and the Monero community oh to Sunita. Wow. We're taking off on Christmas Eve. Right? Oh my God. That's right. It's Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. Yeah. This is no show. Christmas Eve. That is wow. See? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see next week. Let's see. Let's see next Friday. He'll be like, we have to do a show. All right. Let's move on. Good day. And now for our weekly news segment. Hey guys. Tony, you look so nice and cozy. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Where are so, you? If you want to tell people or don't tell people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I have my name in the Twitter handle, so they can just find whatever I do. On the <laughs> Where are you, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in uh, Romania, so it's uh, it's a bit cold, as you can see. Yeah, I can see that. Is it snowing? Or is there snow in the ground? No, no, no. Okay. But I'm also cold, and it's a funny story, and I'll be fast, and then we'll get into it. So... <laughs> I bought a pre-workout. Okay. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll try, you know, because I've never tried this stuff before. And um, this is the second night of no sleep. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Zero. Why you do that? You do not need a pre-workout. Thing, I know. Man. It's I know. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> no, you're, yeah, no, so I'm, I'm not taking that anymore. It's What, what is it? Just like a ton of caffeine? I mean, where's the... Uh... Um... Yeah, it's 
is the equivalent of four Red Bulls. Oh my goodness, bro. Yeah, what were so you gonna do? What was your workout gonna be? You were gonna go climb the Himalayas? I mean, what were you gonna do? <laughs> yes. And that was because I don't drink coffee. I don't, you know, so I didn't know. So he says 300 milligrams of caffeine, 350 of taurine, beta alanine. So I was like, all right. Jesus, man. Wow. Go, go, go smoke easy. some weed. Go smoke some weed. You gotta even I, it out. I don't smoke weed. And I thought, you know what? Maybe Let's I do smoke. that. Yeah, <laughs> you may yeah, have no. to. I need to, <laughs> I need to like flush it out of my system first. So. Oh, gee. All right. Well, all right, ho- hopefully uh... you don't pass out during the news. Hopefully it doesn't oh, just hit you all at once. <laughs> no, no, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, war on the bill. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's, let's take it away. It Tony. Yep, go ahead. Share your right, screen. So let's nice get head. into it. Um, all right, guys. Um, so if you're on Twitter spaces, you can join us on, on YouTube so you can actually see, uh, the visuals. Um, so before we start, everybody hands up in a space, comment on YouTube. Let's get numbers up. Okay. And, uh, without further ado, let's get into it. The first thing that I want to mention is Bitcoin magazine and how when there's something positive, I guess, for Bitcoin, they tend to just throw the word Bitcoin. And then if it's not positive anymore, they take it away. And this one, they said, the ECB, which is the European Central Bank, chose Bitcoin's encryption standard for its CBDC prototype. It's not Bitcoin's. Bitcoin is using it, but it's not Bitcoin. Bitcoin's, right? It's SHA-256. Um, so there's nothing much to this story specifically, but I just wanted to mention how funny it is that they just throw the mm, stuff. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, the, the, they love taking credit. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine, but it's, it's not Bitcoin's, but you know, I just wanted to mention that. Um, but this, this week has been crazy. We have a lot of bills. We have a lot of things, uh, going on. And, um, let's talk about probably the, the biggest thing, which is, um, Warren's new, um, digital assets, anti-money laundering bill. The proposal, it's, it's crazy. Like it's, it's crazy. So if I read and I'm going to be shocked is because I'm shocked every, every single time I read it. It's, it's insane. So the proposal will bring know your customer rules to crypto participants, such as wallet providers and miners, right? And if we scroll down below, so Elizabeth Warren, uh, which refused to hop on the show, we tried. Um, <laughs> Um, she's introducing a bill to crack down on money laundering and financing of terrorists and rogue nations via cryptocurrency. It's always, we've had, and we'll talk about it in a bit. Um, there's, uh, there's been the FTX collapse and other collapses, and they use this as a very good excuse to protect us, right? And and the thing is, it's not a good excuse though. (laughs) Like, it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense. This was, FTX was fraud, right? And then mm-hmm. this is about uh, money laundering. Like it's, you know, completely two unrelated things. Like, oh my God, FTX collapsed. We need to, to save the world from fraud. So we're going to introduce a bill that takes away people's privacy when they use crypto. <laughs> like, no, no. does that yeah. even be to solve the problem? Uh, exactly. Disgusting. And not only, because we'll talk about how they're going to do it to the euro as well and mm-hmm. the dollar eventually. So not, so not only that, um, Someone said it should be know your banks and politicians. Ho ho. No, actually, 
there's a new bill on that too. So stay tuned in a bit. Um, so if this becomes a law, um, the Digital Asset Anti-Money Laundering Act will bring in know your customer KYC rules to crypto participants such as wallet providers and miners and prohibit financial institutions from transacting with digital asset mixers, which are tools designed to obscure the origin of, of funds. They really don't want you to have any privacy whatsoever. And we've talked, we've talked about it in, in the last episode, how they don't want the digital euro to have uh, the anonymity of cash. They don't want that. Right. And, and in this scenario, they could even potentially categorize something like something like Monero as a mixer. Right. So like you're not allowed to move from Bitcoin into into Monero to, quote unquote, wash your wash your coins. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, one article because I've like three. Yeah, I mean, just- if, if this bill passed, crypto would <laughs> I mean, the, it, crypto would obviously survive, but the attack would be insane. I mean, uh, yeah. It's not going to happen. Um, I, I don't think, you know, I don't, I don't see there being the political will at all, like for, for things to really start to move in this direction, but mm-hmm. really interesting that she's going for it. Um, really scary because really yeah. showing her cards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she's, she's obviously in bed with the traditional banking system. Yeah. 100%. And um, it also says that the act would also allow the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network to implement a proposed rule requiring institutions to report certain transactions involving unhosted wallets, that are wallets where the user has complete control over the contents rather than relying on an exchange or other third party. So you are trying to protect us from FTX-like exchanges, but you are pushing us away from self-custody, which is protecting us from the thing that you are trying to protect us from, right? It makes absolutely no sense. It doesn't make sense. And how would they even, you know, enforce this? How would wallets even be able to do this, right? Like, you know, how, how would, I mean, basically they'd be saying something like a cake wallet would have to KYC AML their users. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about Vic actually when I was reading yeah. this article. Um, yeah, maybe, so... uh, maybe somebody uh, from cake will jump in later in the chat to talk about mm-hmm. this. Uh, someone said in the comments, because I'm paying attention to the YouTube uh, comments as well. I wonder why they don't want us to have privacy, but they do have. Um, well, because they want, uh, they, they want control. Obviously they're trying to, it makes no sense, right? It doesn't make any sense. You're right. It doesn't make any sense. And then I have um, two more articles on this. Um, and then we'll, we'll skip ahead. Uh, but yeah, it requires devs to register identity and obtain a license, censor, and surveil users' bans privacy tools. And so I'll just read this part. Identify and record the personal information of every person who uses their software or sends transactions over their internet-connected computers. Develop risk-calibrated AML programs that block persons from using their software or network for throughput if they suspect those people are removing funds related to crime. And file reports about their users without a warrant government request or probable cause is the trigger. Huh? <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. Literally declaring war on, on crypto. On crypto and just uh, privacy in general. And then on uh, privacy, you know, which is, you know, a vital aspect of true crypto. It's no longer like yeah. crypto would be completely defanged if this bill were to pass and it were somehow implemented. And, you know, uh, these, all these companies went along with it. I mean, and if people continue to use crypto in this fashion, it would no longer be crypto. It'd be Venmo. 
<laughs> essentially, yeah, essentially. Venmoed on a large scale, if it's Bitcoin centralized, uh, and we'll talk about that also. Um, I think I have something on it. But yeah, um, what I have. I got to say, though, all bullish for Monero, right? Because this all yeah. like continues to awaken the masses and e- even those in crypto that have been like the BTC maxis all along that are looking at this and realizing more and more that you need a robust form of crypto that is private on the protocol level and exactly. to have all the protections in place where it can survive a, a state attack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. So then let's see, Give me one second. Yeah, this is just um, not an article, more in depth of uh, what we talked. Um, but it also says, additionally, every FI, including traditional FIs like banks, custodial crypto FIs, and uh, these newly classified crypto infrastructures FIs would be banned from making any transactions involving privacy tools. And they did mention uh, preserving cryptocurrencies, Zcash, Monero, et cetera. Right. And all these things would be considered financial institutions is what they're saying. And they would have to abide by the banking rules. So yes, while it would be considered a financial institution, it's insane. It's insane. And all because uh, FTX, right? <laughs> thanks, crazy. Sam. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Well, thanks. Yeah, whatever. I mean, they, they, they were going to move in this direction anyway. So it was FTX or something else. I mean, they're, they're just looking for, you know, the, the impetus to do it, right? The, the political will, the energy. Um, so if it wasn't FTX, it'd be something else. So let's, let's rip off that band-aid. Exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, and then let's, um, let's get into the, the next thing. Um, Let's actually talk about Monero for a bit. And um, if you remember this guy, his name is uh, Fiat Jaff. And uh, he basically wanted to um, to get money for someone to attack, <laughs> to fund attacks against Ethereum and, and Monero, uh, which was really funny at the time. And then he yeah, his reasoning was like, if, if we can knock Monero out, then maybe Litecoin adoption would grow on the dark markets is basically what his reasoning was. Like, cause people actually use Monero. Uh, so we basically need to, you know, knock it out, get rid of it. And then that will help Bitcoin grow. Uh, pretty funny. Um, yeah. To ensure I mean, Bitcoin success. <laughs> talk about a, you know, uh, you know, a compliment, right? There's no greater form of compliment in crypto than to say you want to, uh, basically attack and get rid of another project because it's, you know, taking away your market share. Exactly. But it's kind of like Nikola Tesla, because he said that he's not mad of the other people that stole his ideas or something like that. He's just sad that they don't have originality. Right. And, you know, if he attacked it and it worked, well, shit, man, then Monero. Great. (laughs) You know, then we we need something else. Like, thank you. You proved like, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Go for it, man. Yeah, exactly. Her investing in, you know, Monero research. Exactly. Um, but he wrote this letter like, good morning, I tend to blah, blah, perform experiments and attacks. <laughs> that will ultimately cost a little bit of money. <laughs> and um, and then essentially Jack donated money, not towards this, of course, but Fiat Jeff, um, um, I think he's the main developer, or I'm not sure, uh, behind NOSTR, Nostra, 
Um, yeah, what is, is that? Uh, what, what is Nostra? Do you know? It's a decentralized social network, um, okay. essentially, and um, I'm, I'll get into more details. But Jack Dorsey didn't donate um, for him to attack Monero. He just donated donated to to uh, this uh, decentralized social network, which aims. Well, he he donated to this guy who's working at, who's the main dev, I guess, for Nostra, right? Uh, it's to further fund. I assume so. Yeah, it stands for uh, notes and other stuff. It, it is pretty interesting, though, that there's this connection there, right, between Dorsey and now supporting a guy who blatantly wanted yeah. to attack Monero. Yeah, I'm not sad. I mean, I doubt Dorsey was aware of the connection. Who knows? It was kind of funny because I had tweeted the day before when he made yeah, the he announcement did. that he was going to put out grants. I was like, oh, donate to the Monero project. <laughs> you did. He literally did the exact opposite. I would donate to the guy <laughs> trying to take out the Monero project. <laughs> wild. I mean, I don't know. It's maybe it's a bit revealing about Jack Dorsey, right? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. He's really busy, so. I would be surprised, but who knows? Um, yeah, who knows? But essentially, he donated money to this open protocol that aims to create a censorship-resistant global social network. Um, so, yeah, interesting. I don't know. So Jack Dorsey is giving out money. Uh, but yeah, Jack, please, like, donate to Monero. Yeah, let, let me yeah. give money to build something that doesn't exist in any, like, yeah, that's pie in the sky as opposed to just tweeting something positive about Monero. <laughs> It'd be yeah. more, it's so much more impactful than the 14 BTC you just donated to this project. All you have to yeah. do is not even talk, just talk openly about Monero. Discuss it. Come discuss yeah, it on Twitter. Exactly. Talk about it as this, you know, you're, you're, you're such a believer in these, you know, these new forms of censorship resistant decentralized tech. Here's Monero. Just come talk about it. You'll have an exactly. amazing positive impact on the ecosystem. Exactly. Oh, check this out. He put hashtag Nostra in his description. Well, he's, he's sold. <laughs> All right. Whatever this thing is. Yeah. Um, so hopefully one day, I think it's important because given his position and he's obviously interested in, in, uh, in Bitcoin and, you know, censorship resistance. If you're so interested, why don't you talk about one of the best tools? Make it, but I don't know. Um, what I do want to talk about over quick is SPF and the fact that <laughs> the day before he was going to testify in Congress, they just arrested him. Yeah, um, crazy timing. It's crazy. Um, so let's see. Before he was arrested Monday in the Bahamas, a disgraced, uh, disgraced <laughs> FTX founder and former CEO Sam Bankman Freed was planning to testify before Congress on Tuesday about the dramatic collapse of his cryptocurrency um, exchange. Um, they've actually published the crypto, uh, Sam's planned testimony as much as his much anticipated congressional appearance is now unlikely. And, um, Bankman is reportedly being held in custody, awaiting likely ext extradition to the U S where he is expected to face criminal charges. And if we are to look in the testimony, I think it's, um, kind of hilarious. <clears throat> Can you just imagine him saying that in, in Congress? I would like to start by formally stating under oath, I fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. How can you say that? Like in front of Congress, you know? <laughs> it's really funny. 
I know that it doesn't mean part much. Him, like, I feel like I part of the, apologized. I feel like this guy really does, <laughs> just doesn't give a shit. Like he really thinks like ultimately he's gonna some get away, get away with it to some degree. He's gonna go to jail, but I don't think it's gonna be that bad. I don't think so. But, I mean, look what like, they did to Ross, man. I know that's they, pretty depressing. Double yeah. life sentence, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, FTX, uh, he's not gonna get anything, anything like that. No, no. And, and he just doesn't, he just, he, he knows, he knows he's can kind of like get away with it. <laughs> like, but yeah. it's, how can you open like that? You know, like you might say my honor, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then ultimately you say, sorry, not I fucked up. <laughs> okay. Fuck up. <laughs> I mean, his whole, whole strategy is to make it seem like he was not willful at all. And it was just purely negligence. Yes. And, you know. Like honestly, might as well start with the uh, one and then dot what, <laughs> mm. you know, like he posted on Twitter. Um, but yeah, so um, I don't want to get much into into SPF. Um, he's not gonna get uh, what he deserves. So uh, let's let's move on. Um, and just we're, we're halfway through almost. Uh, the rest are kind of gonna go fast through them. Uh, but if you guys know more things about these topics, hop on Twitter spaces after and uh, let's discuss it because obviously it's difficult for me to know, um, you know, pristine details about every single thing. And I also want to thank everybody that sends me uh, news. I really appreciate it because people tag me now and they say, oh, we should talk about this and that. And uh, awesome. nice. makes it a bit easier in case. Uh, yeah. So keep it up, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, people. Um, I say we move over to... Our guest. Our guest. All right. Let's do it. I guess let's He's do it. He's been that. waiting patiently. I finally got the article. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's get the guest on. All right. Let's yeah. do that. Let's do that. All righty. Let's uh, get our guest. The Monerotopia guest segment is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source, and you always control your own keys. Hello. Hello. Hey, what's hey there. Can you guys hear me? Yes, you yes, can. Yes, Thank you for patiently waiting. We Thank appreciate you, man. Appreciate it. Uh, that was super entertaining. That was, you guys go in depth. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this show is about. It's under, most <laughs> underappreciated show in crypto right here. Monerotopia. Aeon, if you can, um, can you simultaneously jump in the spaces too, just so you're, you're sitting there? So your, your people will, uh, will see that you're in the spaces. Maybe they'll follow you in there. And then, uh, after a few, you know, questions here, we could just move over there and continue the conversation over there so people can interact. That good? Yep, just jumped in. All right, cool, man. So what's going on? I know we've, you know, I've seen you on Spaces. I think you've jumped on Monerotopia before, but I don't think we, we never, like, really interviewed you. Had you as a guest, right? No, yeah, we've definitely crossed paths a few times. Yeah. But yeah, thanks for and having now, me. I, I got to say, man, you're, I don't want to... Uh, you, your voice sounds a little familiar. I yeah, feel like I know. Heard you I feel like I've heard you or met you somewhere. Have uh, we all met? You, you no? may never know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, we will know. So, what, what, is, what is your crypto story? What is your? I know, I know you you, you talk positively about Monero, but what's your? Well, what was your path to Monero? Well, to Monero, or just like crypto in general? Yeah, crypto how in far general. back you want to go? Yeah, let's, let's well, go yeah, obviously. Bitcoin came across it back in the day. I'm not going to date myself, but came across like kind of a really 
It was like this old animated video that someone got made for Bitcoin. It was kind of hokey. I saw it. I was like, this seems like scammy gimmick, silly. Wrote it off. About a year or so later, came across the white paper, and the light bulbs went off when I wrote, read the white paper because I have a technical background, mm-hmm. and that's what did it. And I was like, all right. I was like, this is like, this is like BitTorrent for money. This is genius. And that was the relation that my mind made. And the very next day, went out and bought Bitcoin. Didn't even have a smartphone. Had a flip phone. Had to, like, print out my QR code. <laughs> Meet this guy. And, like, here's my, you know, like, run home, check it, and make sure it got set, and then go back. And I was like, all right, I got to get a smartphone, but. Beautiful. Would you use, like, local Bitcoin? Or that was, like, before? Yeah, it was, lo- it was local Bitcoin, yeah. Around what, what year was that? Like, what time? You know, that it was early on. Okay. It was like, yeah, pretty early. But just followed the space and got into like education, doing local meetups, you know, doing some consulting privately for people and, you know, built a community and just kept the community growing. And I think if I give any advice to anyone in the space and Bitcoin or Monero is, you know, build a local community, get meetups going, meet people, get peer to peer local exchange going there's nothing better than non-kyc local markets you know people start selling stuff for bitcoin Monero. people start buying stuff the whole closed loop economy is super important mm-hmm. but when it got to monero like i always Monero was always on my map like ever since i saw it launch and it was always on my radar i didn't really look into it too much and then probably like a year or two ago i saw it really getting adoption on darknet markets. And I was like, all right, this is obviously a place where Bitcoin is held. You know, it's cut its teeth for one. And Silk Road is where Bitcoin made its use case. And it like proved itself. And then two, it was predominant. No darknet market used anything but Bitcoin. And then I saw, you know, Monero only darknet markets and just the usage going up. I'm like, all right, this is legitimate free market demand for this asset. And this is where people have the most skin in the game. So this is not just like them adopting it because they're trying to pump the price or, you know, falling for some gimmicks. It's like these people have the most most at risk, they have the most to lose, and they're adopting this asset. Right. They're actually so, using it for a real digital cash need, and they're, they're choosing Monero. Exactly. And they're not LARPing. Like these people have the most to lose, literally. Right. And so when that happens, when – the people with the most to lose are adopting this. It makes sense to me. And so I started digging really deep into it and learning, you know, all the nuances and what it implements in terms of privacy and how it works. And I realized there's a lot of things that I misinterpreted or didn't know. And I see those things reflected in a lot of maxis these days and Bitcoiners where they say, well, Monero doesn't do this or Monero does that or you can't audit it or you can't, you know, the, the nonset. And a lot of those things they don't know the nuance about because you can audit it. To an extent, not as perfectly as Bitcoin. And the nonset is, you know, has to do with the entire blockchain, not just what's in the specific block. And so. Do you I'll, think it is they, they don't know the nuances of the arguments or it's just, you know, they're, they're bag holding maxis that, you know, are, are just going to, you know, fight tooth and nail to try to pretend that Monero is, you know, a shitcoin. Like they, like they know the arguments, right? but they're, they don't want to admit them fairly. I, think, I don't think they know the nuance because 
a lot of them don't really even care to look into it. Like I spent over the years, like I looked deep into Ripple and XRP and like just out of curiosity and like learned how their um, consensus mechanism works. And obviously it's completely centralized, but you know, they have all this anti-FUD and like you look into nuance of anything and you always learn a lot more about it. And so I learned a lot about just consensus networks and coordination systems in general by looking into XRP and finding out how ultimately shitty is, but you still learn a lot. <laughs> what were <laughs> some of the biggest, Monero, you know. what were some of the biggest aha moments with Monero where you're like, oh shit, that's actually uh Monero's even better than I thought. Well definitely the um the the ring signature set. So I always thought like didn't realize that when, you know, the ring signatures happen, it's taking random signatures from the entire history of the blockchain, not just, you know, the the current block. So that was a really interesting thing. Like, all right, this is mixing essentially signatures from the entire history of the Monero blockchain. And so that's a huge anonymity set, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the dark net market thing where, you know. That's funny you mentioned that too, because yeah, I don't think that is explained enough. You know, I don't think it's put out there enough. You know it. I know it. Uh, Seth does a really good job at explaining that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think, obviously in general crypto land, people don't, they just, you know, anybody that knows it kind of superficially enough is like, oh, ring signatures, they suck, they're broken. It's like an anonymity set of 16, right? <laughs> yeah. Or they don't yeah, realize the nuance of it again because it still takes a huge amount of time and work. And the one thing I tell about tell people about the space is there's so much nuance that you need to spend hundreds and thousands of hours to even pick up on Bitcoin's nuances, let alone, you know, something like Monero. And then... I guess another aha moment was like, I mean, I never consider myself a maximalist. I'm back from the days when there were, there was Bitcoin, there was altcoins and there were shitcoins. And you know, the shitcoins were obviously people scamming and trying to make money. The altcoins were people that were legitimately trying to experiment and build something interesting and unique. And then, you know, Bitcoin. And now it's like, you can't even say the word crypto or you're like strung up and it's just, it's almost like a wokeism, if you, like in my opinion. It's like people get triggered because you say the word crypto, and it's just silly. But and then using Monero, like pasting a Monero address in public and knowing that no one can do anything to trace it or look at it or see what's going on is just—it was super empowering and just gave me that feeling of when I got into Bitcoin, started using Bitcoin, and then using Monero like that gave me that same feeling. So. Yeah, I, th- I think the stealth addresses was a big aha moment for me with Monero. Like, it's just super cool pasting an address anywhere and knowing. Right. Like, knowing and there's nothing shit. to look up on the blockchain. Like, you can't look it up. It's just not yeah. there. The address isn't even, you know, like that's, yeah. I think for people that don't really understand how Monero works, that's like a, an eye opener for them. Definitely. What are, you know, some of the things where you're like, uh, you, you, where you still see great value in Bitcoin versus Monero? Mostly just the um, network effect. I mean, there's a huge network effect that's obvious, obviously a thing, but I see them both working kind of symbiotically. Like on, the, on the spaces the other day with um, Spetsky that Stoic held, I brought up the point that you know, with atomic swaps, both of these chains have a great symbiotic relationship because one, if you atomic swap from Monero to Bitcoin, you create 
block space demand for Bitcoin, which, you know, the fee market is a huge security um, f- factor in Bitcoin and Monero too. Mm-hmm. But, I, and then, I mean, Bitcoin. You're saying as a symbiotic relationship, it would actually help Bitcoin in that there'd be demand for Bitcoin. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because when you're doing atomic swaps, it's it's directly you know between each chain, and you know, the more block demand for Bitcoin, the better. Because as we've seen, you know, blocks have been empty for Bitcoin except during bull markets, and so there really isn't any sustainable, or I should say, sustainable, but consistent um, block demand outside of bull markets. So anything that creates that demand is a good thing for Bitcoin, and so I can see people easily atomic swapping to Monero for use cases. So, so like Svetsky, do you, I mean, I had him on the show too, uh, I guess a lot more than a year ago. Um, and I'm sure it was pretty much the same combo that he did in the spaces. Um, he's just a, a super BTC maxi, right? Everything else will die. Uh, Monero sucking up all the energy in the, I mean, Bitcoin sucking up all the energy in the universe. It's the measuring stick of money. Uh, so do you think a guy like that does understand Monero and like and is just ignoring it or you know what what's your your take on that type of maxi? Mm, it's hard to say. I'd have to talk to him more about. I mean, I'm not sure he knows the talking points of Monero, but I'd be surprised if he knew the nuances because most people don't. Like you really have to look into it to learn the nuances of it, and a lot of maxis don't care to. Yeah, I mean, they, they might have time to, but they just don't care to because they have this you know foregone conclusion that Bitcoin is it and that's it. And there's not going to be any other. And I yeah. Just, his, his response to something like, well, Bitcoin is a fungible, I guess is what is that like? Well, no, it is technically it is. It's just when it's interacting with the KYC AML world, that's where it loses its fungibility. Right. And he'd be like, it's just, that's just not the way it's meant to be used. I assume that's what his. Yeah. Ultimately I see the fact that you can distinguish UTXOs as a, as a risk and a, and a weakness. So in Bitcoin, you can distinguish UTXOs and therefore, you know, state using their force can do much more with that than when you can't distinguish UTXOs like Monero. And so it's kind of giving them, you know, showing your hand essentially, even though you're, you can mix and stuff, it's still, you know, it's open. You can see all these coins have been mixed. So. What, what do you see the trend being? Do you think, obviously, I, you know, it feels like Monero is stronger than ever, right? On, uh, in every, you know, every sector, right? Except obviously price. Um, you know, more people are talking about it on Twitter. I see more Bitcoiners, you know, being kind to it, being Monero curious. Do you think that, that trend, like we're just at the beginning of that trend and things are going to, you know, Monero is going to continue to, to grow against Bitcoin in terms of like, you know, mind share as being the, the digital cash crypto. I do. I see Monero getting, you know, more popular and I guess getting in the better graces of, of maxis. Cause I mean, having an ally like Monero in this world of increasingly corrupt governments, increasingly surveilled state, it's increasingly adversarial world. And if you're not using tools that, that fight that or that protect you from that, those adversaries, you're, you're just being kind of ignorant to the world you live in. And I always say Monero was built for the world we live in. 
and Bitcoin is built for the world that we want to see. Mm-hmm. So people are like, oh, you know, the circular economy and we're going to become the world reserve currency and you know, everything's in a state's going to fall and cash is going to go obsolete or fiat's going to die. It's like, those are great things, but that's not the world we live in. We still live in a world that's run by lunatics, you know, and having tools that protect us from these adversarial environments are one of the most important things. And just the fact that darknet markets are adopting it so heavily is it's just free market demand. And I see, I usually tell people, I was like, max, maximalism is the idea that value is objective and it's not people have subjective ideas of value and people are going to value Monero and you know, it's stronger fungibility more than they value Bitcoin and there's nothing you can do about it. People are going to value Dogecoin just because value subjective doesn't mean it's better or worse, but the idea that it's just going to be Bitcoin is not something that I see for happening. I see Monero growing on all fronts and even birth versus price versus Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the, the Bitcoin saying that all assets go to zero against Bitcoin. And so I, I have an open bet since like last May point one Bitcoin that Monero will never make a new low against Bitcoin. And only one person has taken me up on it. Yeah. Max and I ask all of them like, Oh, I don't bet my sats and all this. I'm like, well then you have no skin in the game. Like if you're going to say this and claim that this is, you know, fact and economic fact, then, you know, put some skin in the game, but. Yeah, it's funny. As Monero starts to climb against Bitcoin, then you start to see like the, the Maxis come out too and start, you know, yelling about it. Like Tone Vase, like, right? He'll come out and like, he'll do some, some video soon. If Monero keeps slowly climbing, climbing yeah. against Bitcoin and how, you know, it's ultimately going to go to zero. I mean, the, what, what do you think? Like, that's what I don't understand when they say, you know, it's, it's, it's just a, Monero is just a tool. Obviously Bitcoin is just a tool. But it's like there's a little bit of cope there on the on the BTC Maxi side where like it's more so like Monero's like you know it's just a tool yeah it's good for privacy you could you could you know store your wealth in Bitcoin and then you can use it whether Monero is you know a thousand dollars or only worth one cent it works just as well like I I don't even understand that do you do you get that I don't know what's your take on that. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, obviously, people... Monero works a lot better as a tool for for mm-hmm. being money if its liquidity is a lot larger, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I see more and more people just holding Monero and using it. But I see that perspective, too, where people are like, oh, just switch out when you need to and go back. And the thing is, it might be hard when Bitcoin fees are high to, you know, do an on-chain transaction just to swap into Monero. And so... I see, I see Monero just growing. I mean, people say the price against Bitcoin is, you know, lagging or whatever. But if you go back, Monero came out, you could buy like a thousand Monero for one Bitcoin, I think. And now you can only buy like 400, 500 Monero. And so in terms of long-term price action, it's strong against Bitcoin. If you compare it to other altcoins where they're just consistently going down against Bitcoin, but like I was saying earlier, in the world we live in, it's just going to get worse with the CBDCs and the stuff that, um, uh, what's her name's doing with that bill that she's trying to introduce? Senator Warren. Yeah, Senator Warren. And like, ultimately these things are, you know, not going to go anywhere because you can't arrest all the developers. You can't stop people from building apps. 
do you see it as potentially being uh, more of a catalyst? So it's like they 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 do try to amp up this rhetoric of banning, you know, privacy coins or essentially banning privacy in crypto. And then that just, you know, kind of strives that effect, just leads to more people realizing uh, what true crypto is. Yeah, I do. I see, you know, the whole stray sand effect. And the same thing happened with Silk Road and Ross Ulbrich. You know, they tried to make an example out of him and give him two life sentences. But since then, the dark net markets have exponentially grown. And now the biggest ones are Monero only. So people, it's always a cat and mouse game. And usually the state is lacking because they're, it takes them so long to, you know, push through legislation and debate and learn. Like they don't, they have no idea how this stuff works. And meanwhile, there's people, hardcore cypherpunks just pushing out code every day. And it's ultimately I see, you know, creativity and human imagination winning out as always, but there's people that will go along with the CBDCs and people that will choose a different path. And as long as we have those alternate paths and alternate systems, I think we'll be all right. Yeah. I, I, I already live in Monerotopia. So it's like, I'm here guys. I'm already here. Oh, so it's not just a name. It's a, it's a way mean, of life. No matter what Senator Warren tries to do. I mean, I guess just gets to the point where I don't know it makes it very hard to use. Uh, I'm a Monero user living in New York. You know, it's it's not easy to to obtain Monero actually in New York, uh, yeah. but it's it's doable here. It's doable anywhere. It certainly is. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, how dark do you think things will will get? Do you think like it gets out of hand? Like we have a the pendulum swings too far and they actually really do clamp down on it hard yeah i couldn't see you know maybe trying to ban mining just because of the you know all the the fud and all the propaganda around using energy as if it's bad and which would obviously be bullish for monero right like because at least it's cpu right like so what do you think yeah check everybody's homes like how how, like how's that gonna work yeah that is one benefit to Monero, and I equate it to the, um, I think it was a Japanese general in World War II, or he said something like, you, invading the American mainland is, is pretty much, you're asking to lose because there's a rifle behind every blade of grass. Right. And so I say there's a CPU behind every, you know, blade of grass. Yes, I love that. <laughs> in that situation, you know, people dig up old computers and whatever. I saw a video of someone mining Monero on their, like, Car, um, yeah, that was Howard. Display. That was Howard Chu, the, the one of the creators of Random X. Oh, he wow, it up on his car, he was <laughs> mining it from his radio. Yeah, that was awesome to see that. And then, yeah, because I mean, I think having that dichotomy between the ASICs and the ASIC resistance is great because you know, I see the benefits of ASICs and also the drawbacks. And then Monero is like, all right, well, we're gonna try this way and go this path, and it's great to have that because then you have more redundancy against the state mm-hmm. and you know, we have more options. And so also, and then if, you know, bang, it doesn't work. And Eric Voskel, who is a really great thinker in the space that many people don't know about, he's a Bitcoin developer and wrote a book called crypto economics, which goes deep into like the threat models and attack vectors of these networks, mostly proof of work and, he talks about these different stages was like the honeymoon stage where they don't really 
care because you're not making enough impact on tax revenue or they're threatening their, you know, monopoly over creating money. Then there's the black market phase where they try to ban it. And then if they fail at banning it, then they move to competition phase where they try and 51% attack the networks using either by co-opting hash power that's already out there or using their own hash power. And so you have, you know, a lot of mega hat Bitcoin mining farms that are regulated companies registered in any Western country because people say, oh, well, if it's just the U.S., it's okay. You can go to some other country. But if you think about it, most Western nations, Europe, Canada, U.S., they already all work together against financial crimes and terrorism. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy to say, oh, if you're a miner in any of these nations, you need to blacklist these transactions. And at that point, you need black market mining to more overpower white market mining. And people have to be willing to, one, break the law, and they have to be willing to be able to hide easily because the more you concentrate hash power, the more it's easy to find, especially if you're using ASICs. Right, and they have to be able to compete against these yeah. large corporations that have, obviously, this economics of scale on, on their side. Yeah, and they don't have the risk of the state, you know, swatting their house because, right. you know, they're embedding the state. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's, that's the thing that the way that that really works out is that these large corporations want these regulations to, to come down. They're, they're, yeah, because be, it's regulatory capture. Yeah. They're going to be yeah. deal, working with the legislators to try to get them to do it. I mean, it's, it's obvious. Yeah. It's kind of a little bit like what FTX was, was, what Sam Bakeman was trying to do. Right. I mean, that's the direction those things exactly. go. And that's how it was in the legacy system too, you know, to pay off the media. He was trying to pay off the media. He was trying to pay off politicians. Like he was paying off uh block, the news, you know, crypto news site or the CEO. And what, what are Bitcoiners saying? Like, what is their response these days to, you know, the argument that the U S government could essentially capture BTC mining for regular creating regulations? Like, what is their argument? It's just that, like you said, like there's just going to be other miners like that are going to pop up, like people mining from their homes with ASICs. Is that like the basically what they're banking on? Yeah, I guess the best argument, well, I won't say the best, but one of the arguments I heard was that, you know, people will just dump the censored Bitcoin chain, you know, and the price would crash and all that. But how are you going to dump it? Like if, if uh, miners are re- regulated and restricted from touching, you know, a blockchain that's not censored, they're not, you know, exchanges aren't going to let you dump it. Where are you going to dump it? You know? But who, who's going to dump it when the incentive is that its number go up, right? Because as well, they're, they're, moving, the as they're moving in this direction, though, they're incentivizing number go up, right? Now it's like, oh, now large yeah. banking institutions are more likely, you know, to, to buy Bitcoin and put it in their coffers, right? Because now exactly. it's really compliant. Yeah. So like, yeah, it doesn't really pan out in terms of the game theory, in my opinion. The best argument that I've come to conclusion to is just distributing mining to the point where, you know, having one or two ASICs, people mining in their homes or small scale in kind of third world countries where it's a lot smaller is really the only defense. I mean, the technical um, kind of defense is the fee pressure. And so if you have miners that are censoring transactions, the fees on those transactions are going to increase. 
and suppose hopefully incentivize black market miners to overtake, you know, the white market censoring miners. But again, there's a lot of risk in that, you know, because if you try to overtake the censor and then they actually have more hash power than you realize and your block gets orphaned and then you lose all the, you know, block reward and the fees for that and you just wasted 10 minutes of electricity to, you know, have your block orphaned. And so it really gets deep in the weeds in terms of threat modeling. And one of the benefits of Monero is the fact that the blockchain is completely opaque and you can't tell UTXOs apart is that they would have to censor everything. It's an all or nothing thing. Where Bitcoin, they can go to the miners and be like, oh, you can, you know, get the fees from these transactions, the ones that are KYC, mm-hmm. but you can't get fees from these this list. And so they're able to make that distinction because the UTXOs can be differentiated. But with Monero, it's an all or nothing thing. So they really don't have any hand, you know, Monero definitely breeds a more extreme or like just more dedicated person, I think. And would that would have a better chance of overcoming the state. Yeah, it's privacy privacy adds to its censorship resistance, right? Yeah, exactly. I see somebody saying, uh, who have all black markets? Is it BTC or X? It's Monero. I mean, Monero is not the only coin used in the black markets. Obviously, BTC still is. Do do you have insight into that? I know you mentioned that quite a bit. I mean, um, what, like, what metrics, what can we, can we quote? Do we have any good insights into? how adopted Monero is in the black markets. There's some articles that come out here or there and that track it. I check once in a while to check on, you know, what the, what's going on in that scene. And yeah, I mean, the best metric is that there's Monero only markets now where you know, people say, oh, it's Bitcoin and Monero. And yeah, but now there's, you know, there was White House market, which was Monero only. And it became the biggest market. And then they did a, like an honest exit. So like, all right, we, you know, accomplished what we wanted to do. We're not going to exit scam. We don't want to get caught. We're just going to, you know, withdraw your funds and we're closing the market. And a lot of people attribute that to because it was Monero only and it gave, you know, authorities even less to go off of to try and take down that market. And now, uh, Alpha Bay 2 is, is on, is back and they're Monero only and they're becoming the biggest market too. So. That's really the best metric is to find markets that are Monero only and that see that they're over, you know, becoming more popular than the Bitcoin Monero markets or the Bitcoin Litecoin markets. It seems like it would seem like it'd be such a crazy risk at this point to use Bitcoin though. Like I'm surprised it's like hasn't completely washed away, right? Like if you're going to be. Liquidity and people are just used to it, and it's probably easy. No, I know implement. the liquidity, but even that, right? It just seems like when you're when you're pressing that send button for Bitcoin, like I'm gonna send Bitcoin to yeah. as I'm committing this 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 crime. I mean, it's, it's yeah, like it's probably just easier. Crazy. Like there's probably tools out there, and probably like you know copy paste markets you can set up that already have Bitcoin implemented, yeah. and it probably takes a bit more work from Monero. But like I said, these the people that do it, they have the most skin in the game, and there's a reason why. They're doing it. That, yeah. It's obvious. So what, what do you think, man? What do you think, like, normal Monero Joe Schmo can do, people in the community can do to continue to help uh, grow adoption? Like, what's – any ideas there? How we get, take this to the next level? Mm, I mean, I guess just, it's kind of the same stuff that Bitcoiners do is just try and talk about the fact that, you know, 
money, the creation of money should not be monopolized by the state for one, because, you know, they're corrupt and provably corrupt for decades. And two, it's just that it's too important of a system to have as to trust anyone to trust anyone to do it. But I mean, if you can mine, definitely mine, especially during the winter months, you know, turn off your heater and get, you know, turn on your CPU and GPU or whatever, and just start mining because that always helps the network. And it's great that the Monero, uh, I think it's the Monero implementation, the main one has P2P pool built in. So you just turn it on and it starts mining in P2P pool, mm-hmm. which is yeah. great. And it's then amazing. just selling stuff for Monero, like getting it, starting a local meetup. Like mm-hmm. That was one of the things that got Bitcoin growing was just especially... For me, it was just starting a meetup and meeting like-minded people and talking about it and sharing information, helping people learn about it and get excited about it. Because as CBDCs come, people are getting more aware of the corruption and, you know, the Twitter files that came out recently, people were like, it wasn't such a big deal because people kind of already knew that it was happening. And even the stuff with Edward Snowden, like, that was a huge deal. And prior years before Edward Snowden came out, people were like, oh, the government's not eavesdropping on everyone's phone, like, you know, spying on people. You're crazy. And then it turns out they were. And and he's a big proponent of Monero, too, because... Snowden? Yeah. I've heard him talk about it. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously more Zcash, right? I think only just recently, I think he's been more positively talking. That's right. Yeah, he likes to talk about Zcash. And I was psyched for Zcash early on, and then the whole trusted setup thing, and now that they want to move the proof of stake, it's just I'm not interested, but but yeah, I mean, just building community, selling goods for it, supporting. You know, it's a great Telegram channel, like a Monero marketplace. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that, but mm-hmm. that's a great spot. People buy and sell stuff. It's like you know a Craigslist, but for Monero, and just the the grassroots stuff, the bare bones stuff, is really what makes a difference in the long run. Any chance you see you or hear you down in Monerotopia among the among the guests? I'm I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. <laughs> what when is it? It's February or May. May, okay. Yes, you got some time. I definitely oh, you're playing I'm tennis. interested. I'm definitely interested. Or who knows? Maybe you live in Mexico City. We we, we don't know. Oh I thought it was in Florida. It's in Mexico City. Oh no, yeah, it's in Mexico City. Yeah okay. last last one was in Miami. But uh okay. We moved it down to Mexico City. Should be good. Well, yeah, that's more intriguing than than, than Florida. Yeah, we got a Florida's sick. a nice place, but yeah. And we were we were in the shadow of the Bitcoin conference, which we did strategically on purpose, right? Because <laughs> we wanted to get you know some people that maybe like, yeah, I'll go check out Monero, and more so to get speakers, right? They're they're already there in town. We could be on a you know whatever, come speak, but. The reality is most of the, like 95% of the guests, like I think only went to Monerotopia and didn't even go to the Bitcoin conference. So I was like, why are we? Yeah, that would have been me because it's just, it got, it was really cringy to watch that because it was just too yeah. much, too much. And Miami's just so expensive, especially with the yeah. Bitcoin conference because then you're competing against Bitcoin conference. So like all the hotel rooms, it's like, it's like yeah. 350 bucks a night for like a basic hotel room. Damn. It's really expensive. 
Whereas Everything. Mexico City and Roma, it's like forty to fifty dollars a night. You'll get a, you get in like a good hotel or Airbnb. Yeah, some good street food. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. have a marketplace set up. Um, well, that's the goal, right? <laughs> right. Unless it comes crashing down. We've been in talks with this marketplace, like this local marketplace. We're gonna bring him into the conference, so they'll be set up selling things for Monero, like local vendors. So it should be cool. Yeah, that's right. All right, Matt. We're gonna move over to uh, the spaces. If you can join us, please do, and we'll, we'll just we'll just finish off over there. If anybody wants to jump up and uh, whatever, talk about some of the things that came up today. Thank you. Awesome. So much. Thank you. Yeah, it was a great conversation. Yeah, thanks for jumping on. Yeah, I'll, def- I'll be streaming um, the spaces right now. Yeah, we'll so continue you. to stream yeah, over here on StreamYard. So we're we're just gonna transition over. Yeah. Viewers on stage. Okay, let's do that. Bam, right, guys. Guys watching live on YouTube and Twitch, please have a little patience. We're going to transition over. (laughs) It's the viewers on stage segment. It's that time where we invite you, the viewers, up on stage to comment on anything you've heard so far today, ask the guest a question, or maybe talk about one of the news topics. Come on down. All right, guys. We'll we'll close out the space. Nobody's going to talk in it. I mean, we covered a lot today. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Tony, how you doing, man? Oh, my God, I can't believe. Because usually it doesn't drain that fast. And then it just, when I plugged my laptop in, it just died. But uh, <laughs> that was um, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, it might have been for the best. We were, we were going a little long in the news anyway. Uh, but we, co- we covered a lot. You covered a lot. Uh, anybody out there want to want to participate? You know what I thought? What if I continue with the rest of the news and then we discuss them together? Because I, I do have a couple of good ones left. And that'll be... Yeah, go ahead. Go for it. Yeah? Um, give me just actually um, two minutes because I'm not in the in the kitchen. So give me two minutes, okay? Okay. Hey, uh, what do you think of uh, Jack Dorsey uh, given that, that grant uh, to that guy who a couple of months ago talked about wanting to uh, finance an attack against Monero. Hey, I'm just chilling. Just, what, uh, what, what, what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? I, th- I think you had put up a Reddit post uh, about Jack Dorsey and his oh, you know, yeah. the recent grant that he made. Do you think, do you think it actually is revealing of something or, or what do you think? Um, well, okay, so I might have um, admittedly jumped a little ahead of myself and not been quite as clear. You know, it's we don't know that he's funding, uh, you know, an attack on Monero. But I asked myself, okay, this guy's harebrained idea to – the best thing he can think to protect Bitcoin is to attack someone else rather than fix the problems on their own chain. Did he really make the next revolution in decentralized social media? And uh, I don't know. It's just – I don't like Jack Dorsey either. He – I mean, it was under his watch that all of the shadow banning and all the censorship happened, all the politicization. Back in 2016, um, a lot of my anarchist acquaintances that had hundreds of thousands, millions of followers, they were all purged from, it was like Facebook, Twitter, and a few others, like all at once. And that all happened under his watch. So I just don't think that we can really trust him all that much. And, you know, he's probably not funding an attack on Monero, but it's just like, I just don't trust the guy at all. Yeah. Trust me there, but the attack, hopefully they do it because, you know, it's just trial by fire. Right. These networks can't handle attacks by, you know, 
enthusiasts or just you know small small fish, then it's not going to handle an attack by the state because the state you know, is pretty much economically irrational in regards to money, and they could just print or tax their way to wherever. And so, the more the better, in my opinion. Yeah, why don't we start a campaign to like. Like to encourage Jack to fund Fiat Jeff. Let's fund Fiat Jeff ourselves. Let's put uh, CSS and be like, "Yo, bro, here's the money you need." You know, not, not making it that. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Let's do it. I mean, what's his plan? Is this the plan just like spam the chain, the transactions? Is that like the extent? It seemed like that, yeah. Which is, I guess, that's fine. Yeah, pay out, pay our miners. Why not? How much money is he yeah. saying he needs to to mount his attack? I think attack? he said sixteen Bitcoin. I think that's, but maybe I'm confusing that with a different number. Yeah, I didn't think it was like, very high. See that really doing anything? I mean, because I kind of think about it. If you know, like the IRS has a bounty out or whatever to try and break Monero's privacy, and if the network was that easy, fifty-one percent attack or denial of service. Wouldn't the state just try and do that instead of trying to de-anonymize it? Like, so it must not be that easy to attack if they haven't tried it. Because obviously it's a thorn. Well, it's going to become a bigger thorn in their side and this time it's on for sure. I don't know if you guys have seen our transactions lately, but we've been ahead of Bcash and Doge for like the past week or so. So maybe they maybe they already started their attack. Oh wow, we bumped, we bumped back up. Yeah. Yeah, we, um, so we kind of, we've been below them for a long time, then we kind of back and forth, flipping, flipping each other on the transaction counts, and like for the last two weeks, we've been pretty solidly ahead for the most part, uh, although it looks like Dogecoin recently, just yesterday, pulled ahead. We should try to get that guy in the room, the guy that wanted to fund an attack against Monero. Can somebody, that would be awesome. can somebody DM him right now or oh my message God. him? Out message him, <laughs> tell him to jump in. Yeah, I, I will. <laughs> it's good that you guys are significantly more gracious than I am because I don't think I would ever be able to convince these guys to come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt he'd do it. I mean, it's enough on your I was hoping Andrew would, would come on the show. Have a little chat about uh, philosophy and anarchy, and we don't even have to chat about Monero if that's negative for his, um, you know, for the maximalist, his, his uh, followers or whatever. Did he ever respond to you? Did you? Um... Nah. Oh wow! It, it looks like the first person that offered, he responded to them. So I don't know, maybe he. And I don't have any followers either, so yeah. Yeah, no, he responded to that first person who offered. I was like, and then you guys can come on my show and, and do it because they, they said they wanted, you know, a host or whatever. And then they're like, no, we don't deal with shit coiners. <laughs> and then it was pretty funny because then you chimed in and you're like, hey, Andrew, I know you personally. I'll debate you. Yeah, we, uh, last, last year we went to the same Halloween party and uh, I've known Andrew for maybe a couple of years now. I hung out with him a handful of times. Uh, yeah, we had like a whole debate on Halloween about whether 100k Christmas was happening and Bitcoin was at like 65, 70,000 at that point. So it was like kind of a crazy call to be like, no, it's not going to 100k. It's, we're going down from here. So that was a, that was a fun debate. 
but it's like it's all in good jest. Like he's uh, he's a really positive guy, so it's easy in a conversation with him to um, you know uh, to 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 keep it positive, to keep it uh, you know keep good vibes. So what was his take on Monero when you had him kind of like one on one? What was Cause oh, just all the typical, you know, network effects and fungible enough and stuff like that. Got it, got it, got it. Tony, I think, uh, Tony, you want to jump in here with some some stories that we didn't yeah, cover? I do. Mm-hmm. I do. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to mention a couple of them briefly, and then we can just uh, discuss them. Um, so let's go, because um, there's been some huge things happening. And the first thing is that, that I want to mention is a new judicial privacy bill that Congress is passing with a major defense package. So essentially, um, they want to attack our privacy, but they want to protect their privacy with this bill. And what it's going to do is, uh, it's a bill that allows federal judges who have increasingly become targets of threats, violence, and even assassination plots to shield certain personal information about them from public view. Um, And that is essentially, I guess, going to become... a law, and uh, let me see, there's something else written here. Um, yeah, so the bill allows the Federal Judiciary Administrative Office to file lawsuits which carry the threat of fines and other penalties against Internet sites or other entities that don't comply with demands from judges um, that certain personal information be taken down. So. They're obviously attacking our privacy, but they want to protect their, their own privacy as much as possible. And obviously, like, you don't want, you know, your personal information out there and you want to take it taken down um, just as much as, as we do. But it's it's an interest, interesting bill that uh, has been proposed. And then I'll mention a couple more things and then we'll, um, we'll discuss um, everything. We have in the European Union, they want to put a 10,000 euro limit on cash payments. So that's interesting. And then transaction over, over 1,000 euro in crypto will be <laughs> um, scrutinized. Uh, the CEO of, of Coinbase uh, said that um, there might be a 50% crash on Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, additionally to what has been happening. So really low prices. And I also want to mention uh, DCJ, which is... Um, it's under the name of a digital currency group. It's a U.S.-based company. And uh, more specifically, there's a Dutch cryptocurrency exchange, Bitvavel, which has 280 million euros stuck in this platform because DCJ, OG, is currently experiencing liquidity problems. <laughs> so as a result, DCG has uh, suspended pay- repayments until this liquidity issue has been resolved. So uh, we've had... Many problems with all kinds of, uh, of exchanges. Obviously, you shouldn't use them. Um, and they're not protecting us from them because they're pushing us away from privacy, self-custody, and all these things, all the while protecting themselves more, uh, more and more. And then also I want to mention um, the Trump NFT, which you guys have probably seen. <laughs> uh, he he uh, wrote... America needs a superhero. I'll be making a major announcement tomorrow. And then Biden wrote, I think, on the same day or the next day, I had some major announcements the last couple of weeks too. Inflation's easing. I just signed the Respect of Marriage Act. We brought Brittany Greener home. Gas prices are lower than a year ago. And 10,000 new high-paying jobs in Arizona, which he has been quoting a lot. Uh, and there's a couple of more things. So 
and that's it for now. Let's um, let's discuss some of these things because they're uh, really interesting, guys. So hop on. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. The the digital coin group. I'm interested in that. Anybody have any insight into that? Is that like a is there a real threat to them right now? I mean, if 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 they were to go down, they're a tremendous uh, part of the ecosystem. They got their hands in everything. Hey, on you have any insight into that? No, all I remember from them is they were big on the Segwit 2x, you know, hard fork. But beyond that, I don't know too much. I know they have their hand in a lot of uh, aspects of the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but isn't it funny on the fact that uh, they're trying to protect us from these things, yet they're um, pushing away self-custody? Does that make any sense? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like a bait and switch kind of thing because I always tell people, like, you, you might be able to get, you know, some politicians, like, to agree that, okay, mining does, like, stabilize the grid and help you know, incentivize green energy, but you're never going to be able to get them to agree that monetary or economic activity shouldn't be censored or regulated or that mm-hmm. they shouldn't, you know, issue money and have seniorage, like those two things are like the innate fact functions of what the state wants to preserve. They want to regulate economic activity and they want monopoly over money supply. And that's the two things that crypto are is trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did mention uh, mining. So I do, I do want to mention uh, one website, uh, which I think it's new. It's called um, gupax.io. And um, I haven't used it, but it's a cross-platform G, uh, GUI for mining Monero on a P2 uh, pool, and it's using XMR uh, rig. And it's essentially uh, pretty um, friendly to use, so you guys uh, should check it out. I think it's really new, because I haven't seen it before. You said it's GPUX.io? Uh, G-U-P-A-X. G-U-P-A-X dot I-O. I haven't seen this before. Someone oh, there gave it, is. it to me. Yeah. So I thought it's, um, I thought it's interesting. But yeah. all these things. Oh, and then one more thing that I want to mention. Um, if you look up also simxl.com, simxl, uh, they're the first eSIM provider in the world that accepts Monero for 190 plus countries. Uh, which is pretty cool. I haven't looked into their, their prices, but uh, it's cool that they have seven there. Uh, Body, you got any uh, insights into DCG Group, Digital Coin Group? Um, not, probably not too much more than what anyone else has said here. They started up in 2014. They seem to be spidered into like almost every aspect of the crypto ecosystem. They've got ownership stakes everywhere. Um, they're the primary guys behind the. Um, I dropped out uh, for like five minutes there, so uh, if I'm repeating things, forgive me. I, I, y'all might have already covered it. Uh, but yeah, they. Uh, so obviously they've got um, the B- GBTC, which is at like a negative 50% premium. Uh, there's a lot of speculation that GBTC played a significant role in the price performance. Um, essentially, it was trading at a premium on the stock market, so these companies could um, they could buy GBTC directly from the trust. They could hold it. I think it was six months or maybe nine months they had to hold. They couldn't sell, but then after that period, they could sell for the premium, so it was like basically free money. 
Um, so that played a somewhat significant role, I think, in, in helping to get price up. And right now, it looks like um, GBTC, so they've been trying to turn it from a trust into an ETF, um, and that way it would mirror the price of Bitcoin. Uh, right now, the way it's set up is just like it's a straight trust. So you can you can buy Bitcoin or sorry, you can buy shares of GBTC directly from them. And then they use that money to purchase Bitcoin on the open market. But they since like 2016, they haven't gone the opposite direction. So um, they, they want to turn it into a spot ETF instead of the current trust structure. And then uh, that way you won't get this huge premium. But the SEC keeps denying them. Um, so they're actually suing the SEC right now. Um, for <laughs> continuously denying their application, the, the, they might have problems. Like there's this speculation, and I don't understand legally. Like I'm not really savvy on on the details, but there's this this problem that if they can't get it converted into an ETF, um, they might have to do some like crazy restructuring, and that could cause problems upstream for for GBTC. I mean, I don't know. It's all it's all really speculative. Yeah. Additionally, um, we do have. Um I think they'll get you up in that uh, DCG-related assets are being sold off aggressively. Strong likelihood they're dumping. Bad news likely to come. Yeah, so like Filecoin, I guess they're, they're big in on that. <laughs> um, they're, big, they're big Zcashers too, right? Yeah. They, uh, like Barry, Barry Schilbert is always shilling Zcasher. He has been for a long time now. Uh, yeah, they're not really... To me, they're, they're kind of part and parcel of the whole co-opt, like the cryptocurrency system being co-opted significantly in 2014, um, when blockchain came on the scene. It seems like that was the year that they formed these big, all these corporations, and then the government started putting people in jail for selling Bitcoin, um, like, you know, individually. It's like they, it's like they cleared the way so that only their corporations could operate, you know, regulatory capture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I met I met Barry at a uh, an event in New York City at Bloomberg in like I guess it was like 2015. He was there giving a talk, and it was really the first time I I kind of started hearing the meme being popularized that Bitcoin is digital gold. Like it was the first, and I I, I questioned him on it and kind of. You know, I was like, how about, you know, Bitcoin is Bitcoin. Bitcoin is meant to be, you know, digital cash. It's meant to be used for, for transacting. Uh, yeah, he was, he was not having it. He, he, he didn't like it. He liked the digital gold meme. Anybody, uh, anybody else want to jump up? Yeah, please do if, if you want to. Also, I do want to mention that I, I don't really like the name digital gold because like, I guess maybe, but because just because I think of gold as being, um, something that just exists, like there's no force needed for it to exist. Whereas Bitcoin, if you stop mining it, it ceases to exist altogether. So, kind of don't like to use the digital gold. Um, that's a really good. That's like really good thing to point out. It, it, it definitely breaks down right there. Like it, it for me, doesn't make sense. Like digital gold, but gold will exist no matter what. You know. For me, I don't like this. Uh, not a big fan. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of rhetoric like that in the Bitcoin, where it's like Bitcoin doesn't mm-hmm. care. TikTok next blog, like it's this autonomous thing, and it's like no, it actually only exists because 
it's being mined and it's being transacted. And that's it. Exactly. Did you guys know that if you don't stack fractions of pennies, that makes you arrogant? Because if you're, if you're not stacking sats, you're not staying humble. Exactly. <laughs> Seems to be the conclusion <laughs> from that phrase. Well, the, the whole in, infinity divided by 21 million is, you know, it's obnoxious. <laughs> but see, yeah. the thing is that you should be sure that the uh, technology should be used for a purpose. For example, we know that money should be used to be spent. But in Bitcoin, there's so many conflicting views. Oh, it's actually meant to be hold. Oh, it's actually meant to uh, to be spent. Then there's something within the technology itself that doesn't make it clear, you know? And then we can get into the fees and the mining and the centralization and, and all these things that, that will make it a, a poor a poor choice. But uh, it's interesting because in Monero, we, we don't think about it. Yeah, I mean, or like for, let's take a better example. Um, let's like just fiat dollars. You don't think, if, if it's money, you should be able to, if you can spend it, why won't you be able to save it, right? Because ultimately we want something to just hold and then from that little reserve that you have, you spend it, you go to the store and do all this stuff. So there's a lot of confusion within Bitcoin because also the Bitcoin trajectory is confusing as well. What is it? It's, it's ironic. It says hodling does nothing for the security model. It contributes nothing to the security model of Bitcoin. I understand the, the reasoning behind it and, you know, the devaluation of people's currency and understanding why that's important, but in the long run, hodling is, it does nothing for the security and growth. What's up, guys? Monmex, hey, what's Mix. going on, man? I just, I just, uh, put one of your tweets up top, actually. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> Thank you. I did that on, on, on Latex. I was thinking about the, about the supply and like, there's no formula because I was seeing these memes of the Bitcoin formula. I said, like, mm-hmm. hey guys, we also, we also have a formula. So let's fucking, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, I was talking to a guy about the digital gold swap, and he said, I concerned with Bitcoin was that every year, right, like a lot of Bitcoin get lost. There's like a, like a decay rate, okay? And this rate, it also compounds, right? So in right. my mind, I told him like, hey, this eventually over a long period of time, the liquidity of, of Bitcoin, the circulating liquidity, is going to drop to zero, and that's bad. And he told me, no, 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 but it, it's like in gold, right? He told me, in gold, like, gold gets lost also, right? And then I thought about the, yeah, of course, gold gets lost, but if gold miners disappear tomorrow, like, gold is, still exists as a market, right? But if Bitcoin miners disappear tomorrow, the Bitcoin, mar- the Bitcoin network Disappears. Great point. That's exactly what we what we mentioned. And one more thing that I want to add uh, to what you said: if you lose uh, gold, like if you lose a piece of gold, you can find it later. <laughs> Whereas if you lose a Bitcoin or a Monero in a wallet and you lost the keys and everything, you're done. <laughs> if it's uh, if it's in uh, your self custody, so there's also that. That's why I don't like the digital gold narrative. Uh, so it's uh, that's an interesting point. That uh, you, you could thank Barry Silbert for that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. One response to here to Maximo says that, oh, well, you know, if the Bitcoin keeps dropping lower and lower because of lost Bitcoin, you can just divide 
You could just move the decimal over, right? You could have fractions of Satoshi's. Um, that would require a hard fork, I'm pretty sure, for them to do that. And they like, they never want a hard fork again. It would. Yeah. Hey, you'll notice, really are they getting any replacements for their, um, like their GitHub maintainers? It seems like they've lost, like, I think they lost Jonas Schnelly, um, and a few others. Well, Which also lost Arctic I, Mine in 2014. Adding a zero <laughs> or removing a zero, it's also a form of inflation. Like, uh, a lot of countries, for example, Mexico, right? Like, whenever they inflate, they just remove a zero or they just keep adding zeros, whatever, right? So it's like a roundabout way of, of, of inflating the supply. Exactly, exactly. And yeah, it's point. funny that I mentioned that because the same happens to, or happened to our currency in Romania. Like, we used to have 100 of our currencies to be 1 million. And in fact, we still talk in millions, but it's actually 100 because they just cut zeros. Exactly. Good point. <laughs> yeah, an interesting factoid is Bitcoin will have to hard fork in the next 100 years, I think, because of the Unix timestamp bug. There's a overflow. In a certain year, there's an overflow on the Unix timestamp, and Bitcoin will have to hard fork in order to fix it. I think it's 21 something, but probably it's a long way, but it's a thing that has to be hard for it when the network breaks. It's like the millennium bug. <laughs> yeah, it's like the actual millennium bug that will break a lot of shit. <laughs> Bitcoin's yeah, quite okay. Next timestamp overflow there's a wiki on it. I think technically they, um, I think they hard forked twice when they introduced the inflation bug and then when they forked it out. Yeah, it's definitely hard fork in the earlier days, but nothing that was on purpose. I do want to mention one more thing. So ultimately, a lot of people believe that Bitcoin is just some rare Pokemon card that you should just hold. But if they actually want a different financial system, and this is specifically to the people that believe that you should just huddle and not really spend, then you need a second solution, right? The one in which you actually spend. So then you need to at least look out to... To something like Monero, and some people say, "Yeah, saving Bitcoin and then spending Monero." They kind of, they kind of realize that. But I, don't, I really don't like the for something that is supposed to be a currency or something related to actual money. I don't like the rare Pokemon <laughs> card uh, idea. But that's how you save the world, bro. You you <laughs> vote and you hodl. Oh yeah, They're both exactly. equally as effective at saving the world. <laughs> hey, um, what do what do you think about Bitcoin's cap, and if there'd ever be like real debate around adding a tail emission to Bitcoin? You think that would? There is. Well, I know, but you, um, I know there there's there's talk, but I'm talking about you know uh, some real momentum behind it. You think that will ever happen? I'm kind of I'm not fully for tail emissions. It's kind of a nuanced view because in the in the Aspect of the 51% attack, tail emission actually funds the attacker. And so I was saying earlier where fees push out the attacker if someone's trying to censor the chain, the attacker is always going to get the block subsidy. And so they don't have to worry about that. But if they're censoring transactions, they're not going to get the fees on those transactions. So the less subsidy and more fees there are to push out the attacker, the better. So in that aspect, I hope Bitcoin doesn't do tail emissions and let it works better on Monero because you have to censor all of the Monero transactions if you're trying to do 1% attack. But a tail emission on Bitcoin, I think, is a 
bigger security risk because you can, you know, differentiate UTXOs and the fee, the, the fee incentive gets, gets damaged by that. What do you think about the block value attack? Um, do you think that's a risk point for Bitcoin at some point in the future or, or not really? Uh, which one? So it's a, it's a block value attack. It's, so at the point that, that yeah, so at the point that fees, or sorry, the, the block reward starts dropping significantly lower than the fees, and potentially you could see a significant variation between the value of one block and the value of another block. So um, what might happen is you might have one block that's very valuable, and that gets mined, and whichever miner, you know, takes that reward, but you end up with this incentive for the rest of the miners, and they don't even have to cooperate that they decide, no, I'm, I'm not going to mine on that block that was just mined. I'm going to keep uh, mining on the on the high-value block and try and orphan that block. And then when they, like, if they're successful, what they do is they leave some of those block fees for the next miner so that, that, so that their block to replace the other one will get picked up because the other miners will have the incentive to pick up that block because they left some of that value on the table for them. So it doesn't even require cooperation between the miners. And um, I want to say... Ethereum implemented some kind of like mitigation for this. Uh, I'm not entirely convinced that it is a, a big problem, but I, don't know, I thought maybe you uh, had some thoughts on that. I actually never heard of it, but that's a good. It's a good point because yeah, it's definitely a scenario that could happen because it's there's economic incentive to you know or or ignore a block if it has a bunch of fees, and then you know. It's kind of like yeah, it happens when, the, when there's significant variability, like one block is worth a lot, and then the next block would be worth significantly less. Yeah. It might not be a problem. We're not totally it sure. It depends how the like, fee market really evolves, I guess, because that's the problem yeah. with the whole censorship thing where, like, yeah, the black market fees, the you know, transactions that are being censored might be really high, but it's only might be high for one block. And then what's the incentive for anyone else to mine on that block if, one, they might get orphaned, and they're not getting any fees out of it. So the only incentive is for that first miner. Even then, it's a risk because they might get orphaned too. So I was thinking really interesting. Maybe it wouldn't be a, be a problem because, like, if this starts happening, it could just be the case that if you mine a high-value block and you know that the next block is low-value, you you might have to leave some of those fees on the table to prevent someone else trying to orphan your block. So it might just solve yeah. itself. Guys, um, just sharing the notes, a post by Peter Todd. Maybe some of you guys saw it. Some of you guys haven't saw it. It's uh, He describes, like, in mathematical form, why telemetry is not inflationary. But he was talking about it for Bitcoin, right? And this guy now, like, I saw a comment from him where he's saying that probably the the correct way to do it in Bitcoin is not by telemetry, but a mechanism called the Murash, right? Where there's basically, like, a garbage collection by the miners where if you don't move your your UTXO in certain amount of years, it gets collected back into a network. So the emission is actually fixed in 21 million. If Bitcoin does implement that, I think it will have like a use case. Otherwise, it's destined to that. It is, it is interesting. I mean, it makes sense if you're, if you're calling Bitcoin property, right? It's like adverse possession of your Bitcoin because you're not using it for anything. That might be kind of hard to... Um, yeah, to I don't think that would happen. <laughs> That would be a lot of pushback because, you know, who's to say that someone just just has, you know, half a stash or spending, then a bunch of steps are just hodling 
for, you know, decades. It is an interesting way to look at it too, that the tail emission is essentially, uh, a tax on everyone, right? Including the hodlers. Whereas in Bitcoin, the hodlers don't, don't pay any tax into the system to maintain their coins. Yeah, they don't add any incentive to the miners because, I mean, people are like, oh, the fee, you know, the subsidies over a hundred plus years. It's like, well, not really. In seven, eight years, the subsidy will be less than one Bitcoin. And by then, the fee market has to be pretty mature. Unless one Bitcoin is worth, you know, millions of dollars, but that's not guaranteed. Yeah, the, the, hod- the hodlers aren't participating in securing the network in any way. They're kind of just getting a windfall. Yeah, it's funny. They think hodling creates demand, but it doesn't. I mean, you can have one Bitcoin, but there's no, you know, no demand for it. And there's, you know, 80 million of those sats are hodled, but there's no demand for the 20 million. That doesn't mean hodling creates demand. It's a, it's a misunderstanding of economics. Someone had posted this, like a study or, I don't know, they, they were looking at are fees actually replacing the block reward? And the answer is that over long periods of time, it doesn't look like it. Uh, so like if Bitcoin hypothetically has a low price, maybe we chop sideways for many years, perhaps the Federal Reserve is just like, no, we're going to keep rates high for, for a long period of time. Um, it seems like, I don't know, there's potential for that to become a problem. Um, but I don't know. They were, there was someone put a study. Maybe, maybe one of y'all has seen that. But yeah, it said that fees were not replacing the block reward as expected. Yeah, I do remember that. I forgot who did that. Um, yeah, if somebody could find that, that'd be fun to look at again. I don't think we ever did a show on it. It would be cool to get that guy to come on. By the way, we're trying to get Peter Todd to come to the Monerotopia. I've been talking to him. He, he didn't say no. He was kind of interested. Uh, he didn't think the reimbursement was big enough that we were going to give him to get him to come down there, but I think we could, uh, amp that up a little bit and convince him. It'd be very cool to have him down in Monerotopia, right? Would you guys be into that? Tony's given 100%. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that'd yeah, be awesome. That'd be cool, right? Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. We've had him at Monero parties in New York, uh, when we did them, uh, back in the day. He's, he's a friend to Monero. At least he was. I don't know. It seems like his tune has changed a little bit recently. Doesn't he say lightning is just as private as Monero now? That's the last time. Yeah, no, it's it's hard to kind of put your finger on what Peter's thinking. He's he's kind of just like the the ultimate pessimist with with any tech, and he's always just pointing out it's like its worst flaws at the time. He's the ultimate skeptic. Um, but yeah, it seems like yeah, right now he's more friendly to lightning, which is interesting. I think he came up with the um, the hashing scheme where instead of being able to parallelize the search for a hash, you know, so you could have like thousands of ASICs trying to find the, the same hash, is that you have to do like millions of hashes back to back to back to back so that your limitation is like basically the speed of silicon as opposed to being able to just put more ASICs out there. Um, and I think Sol was trying, I think Sol developed their chain around that. Uh, I'm not it doesn't seem like it worked so well for chain security. Um, but it is a potential solution for Monero to be able to have some kind of uh, time lock that doesn't require a script so that potentially Monero could have a lightning network. That's one of the few implement or a few ideas about how we could do that. Who's the best person to talk about a potential lightning network on Monero? I know Seth gave a talk about it. Um, any, any thoughts? Who would be a good person? Who, who's kind of the 
be a good expert to talk about that theoretical lightning network on Monero? I saved a source where someone had come up with a new lightning construction. So let me see if I can find that. And hopefully he's on Twitter. Yeah, I think I I know who you're talking about, right? It was one of, there's a research paper on it. Yeah, I tried to read it, but it was just like (laughs) beyond me. Yeah, I think we actually talked to that guy. Um, guys, I think I'm going to close it out here. If anybody else have anything they want to, they want to say? We covered a lot today. Yeah, I want to say something. Um, so if you guys, you guys should check out Seb's talk about Lightning Network. I don't have anybody in mind that could talk about it. Uh, but Seb has a lot, a lot of experience, uh, with Lightning Network and, uh, he gave a talk about it and, um, how maybe we should implement it in, in Monero and what things to avoid from Bitcoin and how we, it would be different. So you guys should definitely check it out because uh, it's uh, very interesting. So I wanted to add that as well. Yeah, and Seth, as always, was able to explain it in a way that people like me can understand. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, we'd, we'd love to we'd love to continue that that conversation at Monerotopia. Have somebody come talk about theoretical layer twos on Monero. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. And let's get Peter Todd. I mean, maybe we need to do a bit of uh, funding to get him, but I'm sure it's not going to be 25000 like uh, Snowden, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be a bit less. <laughs> Never enough. All right, guys, I'm going to close it out. Thank you so much, and thanks for being the special guest this week. Yeah, Quality. thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you, man. Uh hope to see you down in Mexico. Obviously, we won't know who you are, but... Uh, Maybe we'll recognize your voice. <laughs> uh, Tony, as always, thanks for the news. And Body Man, great job, man. Greatly appreciate all your participation with Price Report and then just all the knowledge you're always dropping in here. Oh, wait, we had, yeah, we had somebody that we re- have me on. Yeah, we had somebody that requested to speak. I guess I'll, I'll give him a chance. Oh, no, he, he just dropped out. Guess who's back? You want to say something before we close it out? No? Okay. Momex, thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. Greatly appreciate it. Oh, wait, no, he's requesting. All right, man. <laughs> Leave no man behind. What's up, man? Say your say your piece, and then we're going to close it out. Oh, I was just going to mention with the whole uh, Bitcoin is gold narrative that you guys were talking about earlier, um, I think uh, the Monero community should focus on uh, strengthening trading pairs between Monero and gold, uh, precious metals, gold and silver. Um, local Monero accepts gold and silver as currencies on local cash in-person purchases. They're listed under XAG and XAU, which are the symbols for physical gold and silver ounces. Um, <clears throat> I think we should strengthen the ties with those communities, including um, local Monero and uh, Havino accepting gold and silver as or providing gold and silver on-ramps and off-ramps for uh, so you can switch between Monero, gold, and silver, and then we can just basically make a CBDC proof uh, on-ramp and on-ramp, uh, off-ramp, because CBDCs will always have to accommodate buying gold and silver because people will want to buy jewelry, they'll want to buy, uh, you know, coins and bars. But I think it's kind of a, a, a workaround around CBDCs and programmable money that uh, we can start working on now. And um, gold and silver for savings, Monero for cash. Or depending. I think that's an excellent point, man. I know we've talked about that offline. Yeah, I totally agree. Let's 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 build out that infrastructure. We had the uh, the gold backed guy on, and I was trying to get him to 
get a supply goldback supplier to accept Monero for purchase of goldbacks. Um, but yeah, good point. Local Monero, it's it's on local Monero today, right? You can it's listed there as a as an option. Yeah, uh, it's very cool. On Havino, it's probably XAG and XAU for silver and gold. But on uh, local Monero, I pointed it out. I asked them why don't you have gold and silver as local currencies for on-ramp, and they said we do. It's under these symbols, which almost no one knows. So they, they instantly changed it to say gold and silver, and then in parentheses <clears throat> XAU and XAG. So they were very responsive and very on board, and I was really impressed with that. Yeah, I was thinking of working with the Goldbacks guy on this and maybe even doing it myself to offer, you know, becoming a, a Goldbacks distributor. Um, would, would people, you think people would be interested in it? You think there'd be some demand? People to buy Goldbacks with Monero? I think there's a huge interest in, uh, places like, well, not places, but like in, uh, New Hampshire, the free state libertarian movement. People mm-hmm. use Goldbacks in local economy. They're in circulation along with, uh, Monero. Monero is actually very popular uh, along with goldbacks for the uh, free staters. Yeah, 100%. Um, Alright guys, I think we will, we will close it out there. Uh, that's all. Go to, go to Monerotopia, grab tickets just cause that helps us out, helps us, you know, get game momentum for the event. Reach out to us if you want to participate in any way. If you want to, you know, somebody that should be a speaker, you want to be a speaker, you want to come vend and sell something for Monero, uh, whatever it is, any, any idea you have that's related to the conference, reach out to us, DM me or whatever. Um, oh, maybe invite the <laughs> What's that? Maybe invite the uh, Goldbacks guy to Mon- Monerotopia. That is a great idea. I don't think I've reached out to him yet. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe get him to come down and speak or something. Yeah. Or he could have a, he could vent. He could vent there. It might be, I don't know if he could, how much gold he can bring, how many gold backs he can bring down to Mexico City. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a great idea. Guys, we're going to cut it out here. I don't think we're not going to do an episode next week. That's going to be one of my Christmas presents to Sunita. Uh, so she, should we could take a break next weekend? So we're not going to be doing a Monerotopia on Christmas Eve. So we'll see you maybe, maybe we'll do a show on New Year's Eve or, uh, we'll see you after the New Year. Thanks everyone. Ciao. Thank you for joining us on this week's Monerotopia episode. We stream live shows every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube and Odyssey or listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter or join us in the Monerotopia Telegram group. See you all next week.